When was the last time you played a game that was so polarizing that everyone involved received a surplus of cyberbullying and mass death threats? A game that had spoilers that caused people to review bomb it. A game that was both massively overhyped, yet still underrated. If at any point during me going through that list you felt annoyed, in disagreement, agitated, or downright angry, that's okay. What is beautiful about art is that not everyone is going to like it. Not everyone is going to connect with it. If each of us go into conversations about art, open-minded, and willing to have a civil discourse, we can all learn and grow. Before we start this episode, I wanted to lead with this intro because I feel that it is important to impart the willingness to be open about any and all discussions when it comes to gaming. With cancel culture, the pandemic, Black Lives Matter movement, economic downturn, and so many other difficult, disparaging events happening in the world, we are all frayed and stressed. It's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay if you feel overwhelmed and you need a moment to allow yourself to break down. We are all there. The reason why these discussions are so important now more than ever is we need to be able to find common ground with each other. We need to connect with each other. I personally don't hold any of what we do on a pedestal. But if four friends who are all over the spectrum on one of the most polarizing games to release in recent memory can find a way to reach an understanding, maybe it can be a signal of hope for other aspects of life where we can all reach a similar understanding. All I've asked of you, the listener, is wherever that you stand on the game we discussed today, please remember that there are people involved, people who created the game who have lives, people who are discussing the game who just want to connect, and people who are playing who have enjoyed, or not enjoyed, the game and are allowed their opinions that do not harm anyone else. Thank you. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we break down a game's story, spoilers and all, and done by the crew here at Sword Chomp that you know and love. We got a big one, ladies and gentlemen, assuredly one of the biggest and most controversial games of the year. It's going to be full of heated moments and interesting conversation. That's right. Today we have assembled to discuss... The Last of Us 2. We will be breaking down the story in its entirety, so I fully expect this discussion to last for a million hours. One of us will end up with a knife at our throats, I'm sure. And what I want to get... Excuse me, and I want to get this out of the way now. There will be spoilers. If you have not finished the game, this is the point of no return. One more time. For you in the back... Spoilers from this point forward. But before we jump right into this episode, I need to introduce the lovely people that you will be hearing from today. 
First, we have the one who will ride with this game into a tunnel filled with festering, frothing zombies. Mergrin Birnies. I was like, what the fuck? Mergrin Birnies? Um, and then I figured out what you were actually saying. Yes, Mergrin Birnies, uh, a.k.a. Morgan Barnes, if you're nasty. General Mountain Time here. The AAA Martyr is back, baby! Woo! The AAA Martyr has returned. <laughs> To me, I, you me. know, funnily enough, I almost put that as your title, and I remember that that was bothering you for a bit, so I, I decided to abstain from it, but you brought it back for us, so. The AAA Martyr is back. Um, as Well, I, I guess over Morgan Birnies or Morgan Birnies or whatever, I'll take it. Yeah, excited to be here. It's going to be a fun show. Isn't Morgan right. Birnies your ice Thank you for cousin. being here, Mergrin. We can, <laughs> we can, <laughs> we can at Morgan Birnies. That's right. I'm done. Next, we have the one who will most likely be one of the more sensible voices today. He's back after a week hiatus fighting off alcohol poisoning and Karens. Both worthy opponents. Ratch Mustier. I'm here. I'm still drinking. Let's do this thing. And, and you are still Karenless in your life. Yeah, uh, just one small carrot interaction. Uh, one giant leap for Chad yeah. kind. Exactly. Oh. I was like, bro, it's cool. <laughs> don't even like, what do you? Don't stress out about it. Exactly, exactly. But we're happy to have you here, Mister Ratch. And we are also joined today. <laughs> we're also joined today by a man who has vowed to never touch a zombie game because the last one he played left him with dark thoughts. Juicy Frolic is here. Juicy, how are you? Mm. Just as juicy as ever. Mmm. <laughs> 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 I like. I wanted to let that one linger. I like it. Man, a few words. A man of much juice. Happy to have you here, buddy. Mm. And lastly, today I will be your host, the one and only Sheila Lawson. Now, if you are confused as to what the hell is going on with our names, I decided a few episodes back that I would start butchering all of our names for the heck of it. There. Now you're in on the joke. Are you happy? I had to get in a little humor today because I imagined that there won't be much after this point. But, without further ado, let's get into it. This game, The Last of Us 2, picks up where the first one left off, briefly, as Joel tells his brother Tommy, of the guilt that he feels for how the sequence of events between him and the Fireflies panned out, as well as lying to Ellie. After that, we warp to four years later, where we see that Joel and Ellie have made Jackson a home. Ellie's and Joel's relationship has soured, becoming strange. Joel and Tommy leave for patrol, and they save a stranger named Abby Anderson from the infected, managing to escape a massive horde and returning to Abby's outpost. Abby's group attacks the brothers and incapacitates them. After they both awaken, they learn that this group is part of, a, of the WLF, a militia group that resides in Seattle. Abby came out this way to exact revenge on Joel for the murder of a Firefly surgeon who happened to be her father. 
While this transpires, Ellie and Dina, Ellie's new girlfriend, leave Jackson in search of the brothers. Ellie finds the camp and gets there in time to witness the brutal beating and murder of Joel by Abby. Ellie swears to get revenge before she is knocked unconscious. A lot happens in the first section of the game. You take control of Abby briefly. You witness the strained relationship between Ellie and Joel. You witness the birth of Ellie's and Dina's official relationship. And you witness the death of Joel, a beloved character. What were your impressions of the exposition of the game, Rich? Uh, they throw a lot. It's kind of funny because I think we all talked about this um, as things started. It's a slow start, but then a lot happens really quick. Like it's it feels like a roller coaster almost in a sense. Like you're creeping and you're creeping and not much is happening, and then all at once, basically about a million things happen to launch the plot forward. It's it's a really overwhelming start, but I think it's impactful in the way they wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think roller coaster is a great analogy of that to be honest with you because yeah, it's it's to me the pacing is very well done in that early sequence cuz you're like all right, I just want to get to what's going to happen, like I want to see like the trailer stuff, but they kind of ease you into it and then they just like totally start ripping you through the first turn or the first drop right off the bat. When shit hits the fan, shit hits the fan. Really, it's it's a it's a big smattering of caca everywhere. To be honest with you, but it's the technical that's term. fair. Mm. Yes, to be technical, Morgan. What what were your first impressions of the or not first impressions? Your impressions of the exposition of the game. Oh uh, well, there's a lot to unpack there. I think um, for starters, there is a really, really beautiful scene where Joel plays uh, guitar for Ellie which I really enjoyed um, even more so like the second time through the game, which was interesting. But, you know, Joel's always had trouble sort of communicating his feelings to her. And that takes place before their relationship is strained, I believe. And um, it's uh, he, that's when he gives her the, the guitar for the first time and says like, Hey, I want to teach you how to play. And it's like a really sweet moment between them. And, you know, he's not great at communicating his feelings, but he just, wants to let her know, you know, how he feels about her. Um, and one great thing that the game does, it kind of tells pieces of those, the story out of order and flashbacks and stuff later on. But yeah, it's a really beautiful scene and they really lay into the guitar, which is going to be a big theme throughout the game. Um, so that's important. You actually see Joel kind of gently polishing up the, uh, the little moth design on the guitar in the opening sequence with, with Tommy. Um, so, you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but he actually makes guitars, which is interesting. He's kind of, Joel's kind of settled down into his life in Jackson um, compared to where he was before. So he's uh, he's a little more, you know, he's kind of living more like a villager and they all have little homes and it's kind of cool to see them live that way. It is a little bit of a slow burn and then, yeah, all hell breaks loose. Um, do you want to, are we going to break down that scene in particular in a bit here or do you want me to wait? Because I don't want to jump ahead of you if you have plans for the. I'm just I'm just asking your impressions of the very first few sequences I just talked about. That's it. 
Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Well, you went up to the to Joel's murder, so I didn't know if that's what you wanted to to break into or not. And there's yeah, that's where I want to count. Yeah. We. I mean, we can break into that um, here in a few in a seconds. Minute. I just kind of wanted your brief impressions, and then we can get into a little bit more detail. Um, yeah, yeah. It's. I, I will. I'll leave it at that for now. It is a, like a kind of a slower sort of tutorial, kind of let you know who Dina is. You're sort of building the relationship. The gameplay at that point is fairly, you know, simple as you're sort of learning the game. And um, but there are there are some nice little things I'll talk about later that you'll learn the second time through. So yeah, it's. I agree. It's kind of a a little bit sort of slower pace, but you can tell something's sort of building, and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, yeah. Josh, what were your first, or your, I keep saying that, what were your impressions of the exposition of the game? Um, I think they did a good enough job kind of introducing you to Jackson. I really, I really liked that, I mean, they did basically the same thing the last time around where they're teaching, you know, showing you the, um, the occupied zone, um, that Joel's living in at the time. Yes. Um, and it's very similar to that, but I think it's good because it's similar to that because, like, last time around, you're seeing just how horrible everything is. And in this one, you're kind of seeing a reasonably normal life um, that they've managed to build for themselves in the midst of all this. And I think the the contrast there really, really helps to kind of just kind of emphasize that people are rebuilding like not perfectly there but things are you know there is there's a future to look forward to um and i think they do a good job with that um before then obviously ripping it all away and i think that was needed to uh to kind of i think i think the contrast is what works well establishing a sense of normalcy yeah yeah, because I think I think had everything been super super bleak, kind of like it was at the beginning of the last game, and then somebody dies, and like oh, well, we kind of expect everybody to die, whereas it's way more harsh to just have that come more or less, you know, in direct opposition to what they had been showing before. Right. So. Right. Yeah, I. I think it was important for them to establish what normal looks like in the current world situation in that game, because what we see later on in the game, we need a, we need that frame of reference as to what is normal for these characters, uh, the people who have managed to survive a zombie apocalypse what what is normal going forward is is there a normal going forward so i think it was a really good exposition for that and also it's a really good way like they like you said they did previously but to show off the tech um you know those opening sequences in jackson are absolutely gorgeous when you look at the look up at the snowy mountain and you have the sun setting it's a really good way to immerse you into the game again and to show off the tech for sure um yeah so one of the big controversial things in this game uh i believe rich you could speak more on this than me uh part of the leaks were that we're saying that joel dies in the game and obviously that upset it, it is okay um 
it upset a lot of fans for obvious reasons. Uh, Joel, he was not necessarily the, you know, best protagonist in the world in the sense of morality. And that's what I mean by best. Um, it's He's clearly not a, you know, lawfully good character. But... I think he was beloved in a lot in a lot of ways. Um, Chaotic good. Yeah, probably would be the best way to look at that. And to have him a character that a lot of people love, a lot of people are looking forward to having more experiences with, killed within the first few hours of the game, is obviously going to ruffle some feathers. So... Uh, what what did you guys take away from like rich i'm actually going to throw it to you first uh, again just mm-hmm. simply because you read the spoilers um i don't know if josh or morgan did that but i know was you about read as sp- far as i read yeah. okay so and- like experiencing this in the game like after reading about it what what were your thoughts on it well here's the thing that i th- think is interesting because i feel like so many people were thrown by this and even when i read the spoiler it was the least surprising thing in the world to me. It seemed yeah. even back when like the when I finished The Last of Us years ago, like the idea of there being a sequel, it always revolved around Joel's death to me because what would a sequel be? They've established this life now, that's the status quo for the end of the first one. Well, there's Joel yeah. Joel did something awful. Some like and we think of the Fireflies as this organization the idea to me, like, that's always what a sequel was to me. People are going to come looking for him. Like, it doesn't make sense that he would get away with what he did. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe at the end of the day, when people read those spoilers and were offended, deep down a part of them wanted Joel to survive because the first one is mired in Joel just dealing with hardship after hardship. He has to, his you know, his daughter dies. He's not able to protect her. Um, you know, he, he is, uh, basically a smuggler who doesn't really care about his life all that much. And then he's kind of given a reason to care. And then he basically becomes a surrogate father. And then that opportunity to become a good person again is almost ripped away from him, but he has to be a, he has to make a really harrowing, terrible choice in order to do what I think a lot of us would do at the end of the day if we had a child and we were in a similar position. And it's, yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, you you want to root for that character who has just had so much negativity happen to him. Um, but at the end of the day, I agree with you. But I think that's yeah. what it is. Of, of course you want to root for him because you could empathize, but I don't think my brain ever thought there was a way Joel gets a happy ending. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, Josh or Morgan, whoever wants to jump in first, up to you. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with Rich. Like, I think it's bizarre that anyone was ever under the impression that Joel survives more than five minutes after the end of the last game. Um, it was, it was, just yeah, it was like everything was leading up to that. It was, um, I mean, even with you know playing as Ellie near the end of of that game, um, 
and then the DLC giving more backstory and playing as Ellie again. Like it was fairly clear that they were pushing. Okay, now you're like you've you've spent all this time caring about this character. You've done things horrible things ostensibly for this character. I mean, it it, it wasn't Joel was doing that stuff for himself, but how how does it affect Ellie? Is the the obvious question coming out of that and so i like i always assumed the game was going to be you know answering that question um yeah and then it i did. i sh- i have a quick question so i think like i find myself kind of in my head questioning exactly what you mean and i ha- i have a feeling that some fans will also be wondering the same thing like i mostly follow you but what do you mean exactly by joel was self-serving in his decisions just so there's clarity there for everybody i mean an awful lot of what he did like the, the whole i mean obviously we're doing spoilers but and we've already done spoilers about this last game so i'm getting nervous about nothing we've, we've talked about this game so much in the other podcast that i keep on trying to censor myself but anyway joel yeah, is don't worry about it you know the entire game is getting her to the fireflies so they can save the world that's the whole thing we're going to do what we can to save mankind joel doesn't give a crap about that at, the, at that at the beginning but he's still very loyal to the people close to him um in a way that feels more like guilt than actually caring about them because like I mentioned this, I can't remember who I was talking to at the time, but about how Joel brings up him owing someone a favor or someone owing him a favor constantly through the first game. Um, And a, a lot of his decisions seem to be kinda, we mentioned, the story they're trying to, Fuck, trying trying to figure out how to word this, but an awful lot of his arc is how he deals with the loss of his daughter at the beginning. Um, right. And by the end, it becomes he still hasn't let it go. He's not he's not going to live through that again. Even if this could literally save all of mankind, even if it's what Ellie wanted, um, he doesn't care. He is not going to lose. Another he won't daughter. lose that second chance at happiness. Yeah. Um, well, I think it goes beyond. I think by just the end, happiness. he's willing it's to like do redemption just... for letting his daughter die. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. You you're you're not wrong. You're not yeah, wrong. Yeah. But I think like you you can boil it down to that at a point. But yeah, it, it's a it's a culmination of things. Yep. Yep. Sorry, that's my only interjection on that, Josh. Okay. Yeah, it's it's tough because. I, I maybe it's because I just finished the game a couple pretty recently, but I actually was kind of shocked that Joel died so early. I guess I wouldn't, I didn't spend a lot of time sort of thinking about like, oh, who's going to die or who's going to live in this one because we, I maybe it's because we finished it so recently and they kind of left it in, ambiguous in the first one. But I just hadn't spent a lot of time like really thinking about it or trying to guess or what have you. And obviously I avoided the leaks. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I was necessarily blown away that he was, he was, killed i I was legitimately surprised at how fast and quickly it happened in the game and um i was telling rich this the other day like privately that behind um 
Aerith, who would have to be the the all-time most shocking death that just stated in pop culture for 20 years, we and Rich couldn't think of anyone bigger than Joel for that number two spot as far as, like, a I death told you, man, just... Shinji. <laughs> as, as far as, like, a death that, like, really rattled people so much that there were people messaging me trying to, like, pick apart, like, how it went about and all this. And I'm like, man, people were really fucked up by this. Like, personally, for me, I, I thought it was really well done and um, effective but like I didn't have any sort of like oh my god Joel's dead like it wasn't it wasn't like that you know I was just like yeah that's fucked up and in this world fucked up things happen to people so that's that's yeah. crazy shit it was just the way that it was done like um where you control Ellie and you're running in there and like the even the sound like that was it Morgan kind of, what that was it I was trying to think of the impact like characters that like I felt got a like a banger of a go out in games. Doctor Morden Solus, Mass Effect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mass Effect Three, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. That that was a that was a solid one. That was a solid one. Um. But anyways, like yeah, just the way it was portrayed was really like the they did some interesting things with the sound. I was playing with headphones at the time, and like they they do a good job of sort of like um when you're like really panicked or like you're slammed against the ground and you can't hear right because everyone in the room as he's getting murdered is like chattering amongst themselves like you know what are we going to do should we kill them should we do and Ellie's just like she can't even hear anything she's just like like feedback and she's looking around and like that the chaos of that scene and how like it started to unravel away from them so quickly also quick side note when I replayed the game, this the that really intense scene where you're running from the horde, they call that chapter the horde in the game, uh, and you're playing as Abby for that short chapter, there actually is a really crazy moment where Joel and Tommy are just talking to each other like, Joel, should we do, you know what I mean? And and she hears it, and you don't know the first time you're playing it, but she has this look on her face like, no, oh, fuck. See, we That's... talked about this, and I disagree with you entirely. I saw that the first time I played it. Because it was clear who they were looking for. Like, and I think even if I hadn't read the spoilers, I would have been like, it would have felt pretty obvious to me who they were looking for. Mm. Maybe I'm but wrong in that. But I mean, that's what happens when you read the spoilers, Rich. You live a dirty life. Eh, there's no need to shame someone else because they figured something else out that you didn't. No, I was shaming him for reading spoilers. Okay. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was very innocuous. It makes it like some I know, I know, I, I, I know. I'm God. just kidding. I'm, I'm giving you hey. crap. I'm giving you hey, crap. Sure. I think what Rich is Thank saying you. is that he doesn't know for sure, but I, I thought they did a good job of I think that. she's like short yeah. of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, telegraphing very obviously. Yeah. Um, the two things I'd say is I, I think I would, I would agree that I don't, think i've seen a character's death be more controversial the only one i would say that was just as affecting would probably be lee from the walking dead which we said a few weeks ago on the chomp cast which i feel like that one was particularly affecting um but the other thing i wanted to say and then if there's anything else you guys want to say before i move on is that they do like, I don't get the criticism of a lot of the writing in this game because it's very consistent in terms of this particular uh, plot thread from the first game. Like, they kind of foreshadow Joel's fate in the very first game. They do. And they kept 
And they kept that consistent until Joel's death. Um, that particular thread of writing was very well done. And that and Josh was, you know, laying that out there. Um, that's, I mean, they stayed consistent with that. And the foreshadowing definitely speaks to what's going to happen. And it's not something you want to happen, obviously. You like Joel as a character, but it's inevitable. They 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 put the threads there basically saying nobody is safe in this world. You see Joel's daughter die very early in the game. You see his partner, one of the few people he cares about, die fairly early on in the first game as well. Um, you see other people in the game die as, as well as, and they establish that, you know, nobody is safe, but it's not like they're going to just kill people for the sake of killing people. Joel actually leaves At, a hell of a body Up until count. this point, up until this point, I will say that. So up until this point, they're very consistent with the writing there and they, they stay consistent with the foreshadowing that they had in the first game. And if I could just add really quick, I feel like one of the big criticisms people lop in is like, oh, Joel and Tommy let their guards down, and that's not something they would ever do on the life they've lived. Here's here's what I'd weigh in. They've lived a pretty trouble-free life for like five years at this point. They have their routines and their patrols where they search for undead hordes, where they regularly let new survivors into their uh, settlement. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's unbelievable that they would have let their guard down. I also don't think it's a very good right. read in the first place, considering Joel nearly dies several times in the first one. From letting his guard down. From letting his guard down. Um, so, yeah, I don't really buy that as a re- you know reason against I, believing I that he could get, you know. It's people I mean, looking for. Him. Isn't that consistent, yeah. though? No, 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 that's what I'm saying, but that's Rich was saying that that complaint oh, okay. was... Gotcha. Well, that's that's the argument yeah. a lot of people poise, and I just, I, I, don't I don't buy it. Yeah, no, I don't buy that as an argument against Joel dying there either, because... Yeah. No, like... Well, yeah, they show him like he's, you know, making guitars, and he's very relaxed in his life, but also the frenzy of that horde scene is very much like, we just saved this this girl... Mm-hmm. And she's and... telling us she has a safe place we can yeah. go. Like, and like, what other happens... options do they have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt it when I did it it felt very natural to me. I don't I think a lot of that criticism and this is not to sort of pick apart uh with all due respect to the people. There's a couple of patrons and people I've talked to that sort of felt this way and I was I was surprised to hear it. I've actually heard it yep. addressed to the the director specifically, but like for me, I my theory is that it's sort of oftentimes when something like this happens like you you almost psychologically you don't want it to be true you're like no this can't no so oh, you're, you're looking find... for a reason to justify it you're like well no that never would have happened because of this or that and it's like well it did so maybe we just yeah it's on. like you can't undo the the thing and i don't even i didn't even necessarily need the the director's logic i thought the way the game portrayed it was fine but the one it thing i hadn't really well. thought of was yeah, I just hadn't thought about the fact that he was like... As a matter of fact, one thing I missed, just because I was so kind of a little bit, you know, reeling from his death as far as, like, emotionally, just kind of like, whoa, that was crazy, is I missed the finding the room in his house, which is a beautiful scene, where you just kind of walk around his house, and he's making guitars. I did not know that there's a, a room in his house you can look around in and, like, see all of his guitars and stuff. Um, oh, you didn't so was, find that? Yeah, there's... Yeah, I, I just... I guess maybe by bad luck, I walked right into the room I was supposed to, and then I went downstairs, mm. and then the cutscene continues. But, uh... Yeah, he's he's just a... It's... That seems like a strange... strange yeah, complaint. it was... It was cool to see him 
in his settling down days kind of become an amateur luthier of some sorts. And it was really cool to see them establish like credibility and believability for his fate to me. It never felt, uh, artificial or manufactured, which sounds kind of funny because writing is largely that way, but his death felt very organic to me. I didn't feel any out of place at all. No, that one was absolutely earned, and it was earned for an entire game before this one. For this, yeah. Um, I, so yeah. Y- this is a smaller, like, world-building thing, but I always thought what added a nice, like, credence into kind of a look at the sort of life they're living now is the section Morgan was just, just talking about, when you go to Joel's house to grab a few things before you leave, when you're walking up the porch and you see all these flowers that people have, like, left on his porch and stuff, and it really, like, lends it to being, like, these people really, like, you know, there are people that go out in patrols and make sure the settlement's safe, but they really do have, like, as normal of a life as you can in a world like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would yeah. have two very brief things, um, I will say, because I know we have a lot to say, but a lot to get to, too, as well. But these are, like, this is a, probably one of the most pivotal things I see people um, either talk about, complete about, what have you. The One of the things that, Shay, I don't know if you know this, but one of the reasons why the original controversy kind of blew out of control when during the leaks is that people were actually misconstruing the leaks. There was a leak going around, well, sort of. There was a leak going around where one of those memes that was going around that I found I was digging down in was like an image of Abby beating um, Joel with a golf club, and people were just mocking the way she looks, and we'll talk about that later. And it was just like all these weird memes of like this buff person basically beating Joel in, and... I think that's where a lot of the social justice warrior stuff came out because when people were interpreting the leaks, they were interpreting them wrong, and they thought maybe it was going to be some sort well, of Well, yeah, weird... we're going we're gonna to get into that later. Um, but, well... <sighs> anyway, my point is, is that a lot even of those... stupider take. But the, my point <laughs> is that the, um, the leaks were misconstrued. But anyways, what I was going to say was watching that murder, uh, the brutal murder of Joel the second time, you know all those characters in that group. You're like, oh, my God, it's Mel and Manny and all those people. I'm like, I perceived that scene very differently the second time through. Um, Not saying that it wasn't hard to watch someone die. I'm not like a monster, but it was very – my perspective was just different, just very different. Like like when you're (laughs) – this is a horrible analogy, but like when you you like both teams on the field, I guess. Like I saw – I like both the teams playing. Like I understand both of their their rationales. Yeah, the sport here, though, is murder. Yes, the sport here is murder. Murder. Um, but it was just really interesting. It was interesting the second time through. And lastly, I was going to say... Uh, That's three things. Too bad. Next. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I... Fuck. Okay, it's it's fine. It's something to do with Joel's house, I thought, but I don't fucking remember anymore, so... I got I got sidetracked. Um, But yeah, just what I would tell people is like, just those early scenes are really interesting going back through it like perspective wise so um oh and we i know you jumped right past this but there's a really um i really liked all the the stuff with like the pot room and the grill room and dina and um ellie looking at all those pornos that eugene had their friend eugene who had passed away um and there's a, a nice romantic scene there that how they're really they're trying to bury believe it or not you guys are gonna you guys might think this is crazy because they spent so much time with dina i actually thought dina was gonna be the first one to go that's that's what i was thinking oh, I was no, like, you oh, told fuck. me that and i thought that was literal insanity yeah i thought dina, because i was like why would they be spending all this time trying to get me to 
to to know Dina. It's almost like they're moment. introducing a new character is going to be a pivotal part of the game. Yeah, I thought I thought they were going to. The so going so. after the lost model, I see. No, we get it, Rich. You predict everything like some sort of Nostradamus. Jesus, mm. Nostradamus. <laughs> It's yeah, like watching any reality hipster. show. It's like, I wonder who's going to get kicked off today. Is it the person who got 75% of the screen time? Probably it not. Can't, I mean, can't really, be. They, they can kill, they kill anyone at like a moment's time. And it's almost like a Game of Thrones thing. Like anybody can yeah. go. No, it's, it's absolutely a Game of Thrones thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not. But you think it'll yeah. never be finished? It's just a comparison. Like a Game of Thrones. It's not a good one. No, yeah. it's, it, and it, we're it's gonna start doing an awful one. lot of justice. It it's a good one, yes. It is not. It is. Oh, yeah, whatever. Somehow they she's wrong kill, on this one. They basically That's kill rude. the people you have comparison. on a list of people to kill. Yeah. Okay. Well, the comparison would be in Game of Thrones. There are it's there's a lot of fiction where you read and you know the protagonists to some degree are safe. You know what I mean? There's a feeling of safety that they're not going to die. And Game of Thrones is one of those things that became famous because. At any moment, a protagonist can go. Also, Joel is not the protagonist. It turns out we shouldn't have let you talk, Morgan, because you're wrong. <laughs> See, no, I was, I... <laughs> so I was. Oh my goodness! Like I was all defending right, well, him until Morgan then. just. Are we? Morgan just left. Out of all the conversations we're going to get into, that's what? the one that made him leave. How is? Oh my god. Is this not a bit? It was. I no, he's actually mad. What, what, what it's the... not a good comparison because uh, <sighs> we're we were going to get into it later, but basically, the how do I word this without jumping too far ahead? We were trying to allude to it, basically doing our own meta foreshadowing of the foreshadowing, but um, Joel's death is very much earned in this game. Other mm-hmm. characters' deaths later on in the game aren't earned, and that's what we were going to allude to later. Yeah, and I think it doesn't. I, the reason I agreed with him at like... first is because I thought he was talking about the abruptness of it. Because Game of Thrones does that, just like out of nowhere, someone will just fucking oh, die. Yeah. And yeah, yes, that, that happens. Yes, and that's what I was getting that, at. Yes. But like, yeah. Then he started talking about the whole plot armor thing, and I'm like, no. Like the people who instantly die out of nowhere are kind of the people I expected to instantly die as well yeah again like i was saying it's more like there's a literal hit list yeah these are the people we're going after and those are the people that die yeah yeah well let's take a quick minute break to see if he's coming back or not Yeah, right. Full disclosure, Morgan. Happy Saturday, um, he <laughs> good day. It's been three days later since we've taken no. Um Morgan is dealing with some personal family issues right now. That and the culmination of uh us badgering him 
led him to leave, and right now we feel like it's better for him to um, be with his family as they are going through some personal stuff. So he may or may not return this episode. We will see. Hopefully he does. We want him to be here. So um, with that being said, we always keep it real here at Sword Chomp. <laughs> 100% real either way. But uh, we are going to continue with the story, and we will see what happens from there. So, Tommy, Ellie, and Dina are next seen at Jackson discussing the next course of action. Ellie tells them of her plan to exact revenge, while Tommy and Dina attempt to talk her out of her suicidal mission. Before Ellie can go against their wishes... Tommy sets off to exact the revenge for both himself and Ellie. Ellie and Dina follow him in hopes to catch him. They are ambushed by a WLF or wolf group, and Dina witnesses Ellie being bitten by an infected. Ellie reveals her immunity to Dina, and Dina reveals that she is pregnant. The next day, Ellie pursues Tommy solo as Dina is too ill to help. Ellie runs into Jesse, Dina's ex-boyfriend, who followed them to Seattle. They get close to finding Tommy, but Ellie decides to pursue Abby instead of finding and helping Tommy. Okay. So I wanted to stop here for a hopefully brief moment as the next section is going to descend into a lot of madness happening at once. I had mentioned on the Chompcast that I was not a big fan of this section as it felt like something lifted from a soap opera or a teen romance movie. It seemed to me to be a matter of ham-fisted writing basically giving Ellie stakes to possibly lose later. I still feel that way, truthfully. But I wanted to see if anyone felt any differently, if they felt that this love triangle was inspired and important. Uh, this question will operate a little bit differently. Whoever wants to hop in first, please feel free to. So if either of you guys want to hop in first, go for it. Um, I mean, I have thoughts. I'm kind of curious more about your initial teen soap thing. Mm. starting that though to bounce yeah. off of that yeah i can go i can go into more detail on that if you'd yeah. like um so the 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 biggest thing there is that um i kind of had to gloss over it just due to time because i don't want this podcast to really go on for a million hours uh um, when you were more than anything you are you are a liar sir um, true. When, I have so much i need to do i know when when you when you are in Jackson as Ellie, um, you meet Jesse, which is her friend, and they kind of have this banter that Jesse and Dina have been broken up very recently. But Dina had kissed Ellie at this event, and it just was very like it was very very teen romance drama, and I was just not jiving with it at all. And then. Um, the whole the whole uh Eugene hideout stuff just I I didn't enjoy that at all. Like I get I get some people enjoyed it. I did not. I that was not my favorite 
introduction to those two. It was not what I enjoyed about them. What I ended up enjoying about Dina and Ellie is when they're in Seattle in that open world sequence, they have a lot of dialogue and they're doing a lot of little flirting and bantering. And that's what really warmed me up to those two characters in this game. And then you have Jesse kind of return, but then you also find out, oh, Dina's pregnant with Jesse's child. And... Yeah, that play that plays such a big effect later in the game that we will get to, and that's yeah. what you I'm specifically talk about talking about—the ham-fisted writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where I was coming from. Okay, no, no, I'm I'm with you on that. The as far as the uh, you know Eugene's safe house scene i love everything about eugene i yeah like i think i think it's kind of interesting getting to meet somebody else and i feel like the the moment there with dina and ellie is fine but then again like you're saying oh no they get interrupted by jesse and it's just awkward but not in a like oh this is how people would actually be awkward way it's just like awkward um See, that's what's funny to me, is, and I think we talked about this a little bit, Josh. I never got that vibe. Hmm. Like, it's awkward, but, like, when you say, like, oh, teen drama, it's weird because I never feel like there's drama played up there. Like, and it always feels like that fake introduction of Jesse being like, I don't care what you do. But then he does nothing to suggest that he anything but doesn't care what you do. Yeah, no, but... but so but, there's never any real drama or stakes. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't. But as you go, it seems like Dina might. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like, yeah. I feel like most of the drama is like, oh, no, this is all on Dina. And if if Jesse shows back up or, and does this, like, w- what if what if it turns out that Dina still has feelings for him? And that's kind of the what the thing they're continuing to to build off of. And do we, it's not long after where you stopped, but do we want to kind of wrap up the Jesse thread here or? Uh, no. So the okay. next section right. is Jesse's exactly thread wraps up a little later on. Yeah. It's not much longer. There's not an awful lot more of it. It's, it, it is kind of that it is his, his purpose is to feel like to kind of undermine the relationship a little bit, but, but to yeah. also be someone that you don't hate because of it and and i because think he still that... comes off as a friend and as a, like, yes. a reliable friend who clearly gives a shit about in fact i think i brought this up to you briefly when we talked about this josh i got the impression and i think this is maybe even a more interesting dynamic if you want to go that teen drama angle that jesse was never was there for ellie like mm-hmm. it um, he almost gives the impression that he gives more of a shit about ellie than dina yeah yeah no i think that kind of comes across in a couple scenes um yeah yeah but it's it's interesting i saw that there i felt like that there was a lot more potential with jesse as a character because the way they introduced him outside of that stuff he was like such a caring and devoted friend and that's like okay that's something that clearly ellie needs is again some sense of normalcy and i think that kind of harkens back to our previous and someone point. she can rely uh, on Right. I think that harkens back to our previous point about Joel, about how he's dealt with all this shit in his life. And we just want some level of normalcy for these characters, because especially now more than ever with where real life is at, it's like, well, hopefully someone in the freaking world can live somewhat happily. And so when we see 
Jesse as a character and you see this kind of relationship that Ellie and Jesse have. It's like, yeah, I want, I want, I want to see this dynamic explored more. And then it feels like it largely, not completely, but largely devolves into this, um, basically this not scapegoat. That's not the right word. Foil character to move along where that game ends up. And it feels like they, they introduce this potentially awesome character and then just never utilize them to his fullest extent. And he became, um, a part of a love triangle. Okay. I, um, I don't know. Like, we're not to the part I want to, like, really drive this point yeah. home at. But, like, I don't know. Like, I kind of saw his narrative purpose from the beginning, and it goes where I thought it would end up going. Like, just, like, at, all, at basically every moment where he could be involved, it's kind of obvious exactly what the dynamics is going to be. Is gonna be, And it, it's kind of, I don't know. That's That's, like, the only thing I could really pull from it like as far as like the character on his own merits is fine but like it i don't know like every time he was on screen i'm like okay this is what they're doing here and it was just a a plot device yeah it was really hard for me to kind of come to terms with him as a character when like his function in the plot was just so obvious um yeah and I, I I really don't like that at the end of the day because I feel like that's above Naughty Dog um, because they, they do a really good job of crafting characters and making you invested in these characters. And Jesse feels like a throwaway at the end of the day. And we're about to get into why exactly he feels like a throwaway, but he just feels like a throwaway and it kind of sucks because it's like why even give this character any screen time so um i don't know i i just i i really didn't like the love triangle thing i really didn't i i thought the more interesting story there was actually how ellie and dina organically develop i thought that was much more interesting but um they needed jesse um for a particular plot point we will jump into later so let's go ahead and move on. Um, Ellie, in her search for Abby's friend, Nora, encounters the Seraphites, a religious cult that has been embroiled in a long fight with the wolf, wolves for control of sections of Seattle. Ellie manages to track down and capture Nora. She torches Jesus. She tortures the wolf member for information on where to find Abby. This experience emotionally scars her. Now that's important, so you as the listener, please remember this for later. The following day, which is day three, she tracks Abby down to an aquarium where she kills a dog. Rest in peace, puppers. A pregnant woman named Mel and Mel's boyfriend, Owen. Ellie is devastated after learning that she killed a pregnant woman. Tommy and Jesse find her and whisk her back to their hiding spot where Dina is in the theater. So Ellie goes through so much in a few short days on her revenge mission in Seattle. The Ellie on display in this game is vastly different than the Ellie from the first game. Besides being years older and being more mature, 
we see a once fun-loving cerebral person descend into single-track mindedness. Talk a bit about how this development felt to you as you were playing it, Josh. Um, I mean, I was off board, like, like as soon as she started torturing people, um, because I feel like that was the point where, uh, where Rich and I were kind of talking about how it really starts, you know, beating you over the head with the, your you, look how bad this is that you're doing all this stuff. What revenge has driven you to? Yeah, yeah, uh, to, to the point where. That cutscene, and it is a cutscene where you torture them. You have to hit B a few times, or not B, but whatever the fuck. You have to hit melee. You you have to actively quick time events. You they're not even quick time events. If you sit there, it will sit there for hours. It will sit there permanently. The game will not move on. It's not a timing thing. You can't fail. That it. should have been a trophy. Last of Us Two pacifist run. Yeah, but you just sit there, and the cutscene stalls out. It until just waits until for you to you're act, the yeah. person who does it, who does the horrible thing, which now pet is, this dog like just awkward. Like games have been doing that for a while. The whole trying to get you to think about your actions in a game, and I don't see what they were trying to do in this case because I because they didn't f- do anything new. Well, not just that, but, like, it doesn't feel like Ellie is you in any meaningful sense. These are all their own characters completely and utterly. Ellie has existed for a game before this, uh, for a DLC before this. And you understand her motivations, but they don't need to become your motivations. Exactly. And that's that's why I don't see how it—I don't see why you had to be the one, like— it doesn't change anything. I mean, it it does. It changes it as a cutscene, but as far as what they're trying to get across, I don't see how it changes it. Um, and like at, at that point is kind of it was long before Ellie gets to the point of oh, this is horrible what I'm doing. It's it's like I don't know. I was just I was done with Ellie at that point. I'm like okay, like we get it. She's gone off the deep end, and apparently this is not the bottom yet. Um, well, yeah, and I, I think we had the perspective at that point, which is interesting to give you, and they pepper this in purposefully um, to sort of give you the idea now you're, through flashbacks and all that, that you now know that Ellie already knows what Joel did to, yeah. you know, save her. That's why they're on the outs and all that. And I feel like that's an important detail because it makes it harder. And, and that's just why the, like, hit the button thing is strange because... I feel like while this is all happening and they're forcing you to do this thing, the more interesting narrative to bleed is to, again, building you up for what's to come, make it harder to empathize with Ellie. And when you're beating the player over the head with now you pull the trigger on this, like, I don't, I think that's two different messages. Um, we talked about this, actually, I don't know if you guys remember this. I think it was two or three episodes back. Uh, I think it was two, actually, on the Chomp cast. Where you guys had mentioned uh, that this is, well, largely Josh, um, had mentioned that this is like torture porn. And I don't disagree because you are being forced to press that button. And I I disagreed to a point and I still do now because I feel like the purpose of that is to uh, make you in some way, shape or form feel the direct consequences 
of being so single track minded and doing something as heinous as torture without actually doing it. Um, my argument, and maybe you guys disagree, and that's fine. Um, I think we might have to agree to disagree on this. The point of playing a game is you take control of somebody else. Part of that is you become that avatar. I mean, that's part of the purpose of gaming. Not always, but large, largely and most of the time. I believe that to be the case. And you are experiencing Ellie's story, and you experienced it indirectly in the first one, and now you are directly experiencing it in this game. And you are taking a character that was so well-loved from the first game, and you are basically... You know, organic, like like we talked about with Joel's death being organic, you were putting her in a situation that I think is very, very, again, organic to me. Because you look at um, the flashbacks, which were actually, the, that is the literal next section we're going to be talking about. Um, you look at the flashbacks, and then you look at her reaction now, and you're like, well, that kind of makes sense. Um, up to this point as to why she's reacting the way she did. Um, I, I feel like it makes a lot of sense for her character because basically she can't accept the choice that she had made in the past. And now she is grieving f uh, the loss of someone who saved her life unknowingly and now knowingly. And someone who is essentially a surrogate father and on top of that she has her own personal um feelings and thoughts that we are going to jump into here a little bit later but for me it made a lot of sense to force you to do that because they were trying to get across in a very very literal way the direct consequences of vengeance and torture so for me, it made a lot of sense. I totally get why um, other people didn't like it, but I think it made sense um, for what they were trying to go for, just whether or not you enjoyed it. Uh, and this is just my personal take. I'm not trying to say you guys are wrong. Um, it it makes sense, and I think that it worked for what they were trying to get across for me, is what I'd say there. Yeah, I think that might be a personal preference thing as far as whether what yeah. they were doing had it land for you. And I, I feel like aspects of it did for me, aspects of it certainly didn't in other respects. Yeah, I feel like yeah. the story itself was fine at that point. I just, like I said, the way they're telling it to you is, it's just bizarre, bizarre. to me that they're trying to... What... <sighs> that they're making you push the button there. It's it's just it seems like such a strange choice um in that situation. Um Agreed. I, th I think I think they're trying to give some believability to into what happens later in the game as well. Um it's something that we're going to talk about that happens near the end of the game, but uh what happens in the story which is what you guys are talking about makes perfect sense. And again, I I don't want to reiterate what I've already said, but uh, basically, the button, the the bu pressing the button itself made a lot of sense for me, just because I hopefully never ever have to or ever will be in, in the situation to where I have to torture somebody. And uh, never say never. 
name of my 2021 rap album but uh i i can't imagine doing something like that so playing through that was actually for me it was a little bit affecting and i can understand um it wouldn't be for other people but for me it was affecting because i could never i could never like legitimately imagine doing that to somebody like we've all we've all had dark thoughts at at points of in our life where like if you know our significant other or our child or you know in the case cuz i'm a teacher someone was threatening the life of someone you care about what lengths would you go to protect that person i think it's fair to say we've all had those thoughts or something similar and we've all had those dark thoughts and for me i've thankfully never been in a position to where i've legitimately had to be like will will i have to kill somebody to protect someone i love you know i've never had to think about that and granted this isn't that exactly that scenario but i just don't i hope i never have to be in that situation and playing through this only kind of reinforced that for me personally um for some people they don't need that uh, particular experience to come to that conclusion. And I think that's kind of where the disagreement here is. Um, you guys probably didn't need that reinforcement. I guess I did, and I didn't even know I needed that reinforcement, um, that I never, ever want to torture somebody or I never want to kill somebody. Yeah. I mean, um, the thing that... I mean, never say never. Again, I, I not again, <laughs> but like we've mentioned a few times all the uh, everyone who's been so shocked and offended and just horrified that joel is dead where it's obvious that he should die he's a horrible fucking person at the end of the first game and the way they he's a horrible person that you empathize with and that's where the problem comes in well but that's the thing like they a if you've empathized with him come on stop it's obvious he's he's trash but then the entire beginning of this game is, like we mentioned before, extremely violent, extremely in your face, trying to get you as 100% on board as you could possibly be with going to get revenge for Joel. Like, yes. everything is framed in that way. And so I think that that scene, they're under the impression you still give a fuck about Joel. And I think that that's not no no that's not the case for most people at that point i think sure some people are still going to be completely on board with the revenge at that point but like yeah it's yeah i don't i don't know man i i i you know what joel did was very very difficult and i think that's what a lot of people i think that's one of the great moral questions that this game asks and i think that's part of why so many people really enjoyed the first game is it's it's asking you the classic question of if your child was in that position what lengths would you go to and especially under the conditions of would you save the few and forget the many or would you save the many and forget the few i know that's not the exact way that so it's phrase just the goes. trolley problem yeah. Well, yes, yes. Yeah, that's the what last I'm of us here. one is the trolley and, problem. Um, right, but 
that it's still a relevant conversation and it will forever be a relevant conversation in all of our lives because as we accumulate experience, as we all are at different points in our life, we're always going to have a different answer to that question. And it that's why it will forever stay relevant. And that's why it has stayed relevant for as long as it has. So you know, I think in this you're particular, right. for this instance, Joel did a absolutely terrible thing, but what would it say about him as a person if he let the only person in the world besides his brother that he truly cares about, that he truly loves, die? And it's not it's not a one hundred percent guarantee at this point. Uh, it's not a one hundred percent guarantee for a cure. You are you are basing you are letting someone you love and care about die for the hope that a cure can be made. And it's like he's in a no-win situation, obviously, and that's why we empathize with him as a character amongst other reasons. And as that carries into this game, yes, you you have to consider that he did something absolutely heinous. Um but I never hated Joel as a character, and I never thought no, he was a piece I I never thought he was a piece I. of shit either i definitely didn't think he was a piece what of he shit. did he did selfishly I, he... I i don't disagree with that but you can empathize with his decisions yes yes and that's why i don't think he is a terrible character like in terms of his morality because i at the end of the day if i was faced with that situation i don't know if i would do have done anything differently and that's something we discussed well, in the chomping yeah, after but... dark of the first last of us yeah but that, again this is Literally everyone you come across in the game has the same thing, and they're just killing someone to protect the people that they want to take care of. Even the cannibals. So it seems strange that Joel is the same as the cannibals by the end of the game, but you're still supposed to empathize with him. Because he doesn't eat people. Yeah. Glad we cracked it. Like, no, you kill... (sighs) Man, fuck, that last segment of the game is terrible with all those guards, but... 50? 80? (laughs) 80 oh, people? Oh, you kill so many fucking people. So many people. people. There are so many people. It's like, they always frame it as, oh, you killed a doctor. Yes, you kill those three doctors and their, you know, yeah, their legion the of guards. Like You kill so many people. And Can we talk about how it's unfortunate that this game waits until its very last section to let you let unfected off chains like dogs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we'll get there, but yeah, that is a cool mechanic. Yeah. yeah. The, no, Josh, I agree with you. I agree with you because um, about that particular uh, point because I think that's what's so interesting about the first one and this one is that they take your perspective and they try and they kind of toy around with that is that – they are saying like, and they do it even more so with this one is it's like, if we had not directly just experienced Joel's and Ellie's relationship and we were some, like we, let's say we played as some of the fireflies and then we have this guy and this mm-hmm. girl coming in, um, you know, because she has the quote unquote cure and then we're going to save humanity and then we have this guy just murder his way through everybody and then kill us would we just would we hate joel at that point would we yeah. be like he is a 
piece of shit maybe and that's what i think the in, the conversation is so interesting i don't i don't think there is a definitive saying joel is or is not a piece of shit at the end of the day because if we do that then we totally negate or not consider any other uh, perspective or angle to that conversation and that is the exact opposite of what i think yeah. the writers in in both games are trying to do and i think you have a point that yeah i don't know like, i just i is a shit care person but i also think that i didn't feel that way because i went through yeah. his perspective yeah well yeah exactly like movies games books anything any form of media where you are given someone's perspective the whole time you're gonna by default agree with them because you have to to get through the experience if it's so painfully offensive to you that they're doing these things you'll probably just give up halfway through because well fuck this asshole of course i'm not gonna like <laughs> like there's anyway um no i i get what, i get what you're saying there has to be a believability in the writing in order for you to be able well, to even empathize at all with that character. And if the writing isn't that, good enough, then you don't care about that person and you're not willing to consider the other side of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. And a lot of it I felt like was just kind of in, in that vein of just not doing enough for me to overcome the actually objectively looking at what they just did. And I feel like they do that in the first game. I think that's what the first game is about. It's like, I mean, The Last of Us is, it like, A, obviously, zombie apocalypse, but, like, the entire thing is framed as um, who, who the us is. And, like, at the beginning, right. the main evil guys are the government. Who The us is all of us, period. We will kill Ezra, any baby. single person that we need to to save the country yeah um, yeah it's it's interesting to consider and, that point but like as, as you go you see the opposite of that also become a problem where joel will kill any hundreds of people he needs to kill to save one person it's cute when right. nathan drake does it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just like would any of us do anything differently um if you know i'm I hate I hate to bring this into play. I apologize if it bothers you, Josh. If you know your two children were the source of a cure, um, would you be willing to let them go to save the rest of humanity? Or Rich, um, if I was the cure, would you be willing to let me go? Or if this feels like a loaded question. <laughs> hey, I mean, if it was no, you, if... I'd let I'd let you go. But after after they made a nice I would let me go cock. too. Because we can't, we can't let the world lose <laughs> be, lose that. I was waiting for Josh to follow. Do they need both kids or just one? <laughs> <laughs> they could take the dog. I don't mind. But no, um, uh, Morgan, where do you fall in with this conversation? So where we're at right now, um, let me get you caught up really quick. Basically, we're talking about the point to where um, Ellie has essentially... Uh, gotten to the point where she has killed Mel, Owen, and the dog. And she's having a hard time kind of dealing with the fact that she just killed a pregnant woman. And we're trying to kind of discuss um, 
her single-mindedness um basically it feels vastly different from the first game and where the conversation has kind of gone is is it is it believable is it um like what what is like everything that we know up until this point surrounding that development and we got into the conversation of basically at the end of the day kind of what we had with the first chomping after dark on the last the first last of us is joel inherently a terrible person for the choice he made and what does that speak to on how ellie develops and this game that's kind of where we're at right now um if any of what i just said kind of sticks out for you you can feel free to speak out to that it doesn't have to be exactly what we're discussing right now because i think josh and Uh, i are kind of just going in circles at this point (laughs) um i love a good circle yeah there it's interesting because if if you can believe one of the things i found out later on when my primary criticism in the first game was actually corrected because someone told me that the left behind dlc is actually fills in that blank of time where um i sort of had an issue with like ellie sort of coming back as like a killing machine and it was weirdly enough i didn't know that was the case until someone had mentioned that to me recently so i need to go play that and fill that in i was think it if me? you can I think I think if you can buy, you know, it's always a little weird in video games, and I think this game plays with ludonarrative dissonance in an interesting way more than most do, but, like, if you can buy that she's capable of definitely just murdering all these people like video games are, you know, um, it's it's much more, I think, of a interesting effort than something like, let's say, like, we were joking about Uncharted because Nathan Drake doesn't seem like the kind of person who would kill billions of people, but he just slaughters hundreds of thousands of people it's never really addressed um, in uncharted either. he loves yeah. a good murder yeah and it's and that's and that's to some degree fine like it wasn't like a huge deal for us because video because because that's how video games are and it's campy uncharted's campy like it's yeah. all about the tone of it all too well i think that's what's interesting is just that it's weird but that's the problem i think is interesting is that it's campy but the characters feel very real that's what we like about it so there's this weird sort of dichotomy there that i think it's interesting that this game tries to address i i I think one thing that bugs me about some of the criticism when people will be like oh how could she you know kill all these people but then not this person or that or whatever which we'll get into later is just i feel like this game addresses it you know that that narrative dissonance more than a lot of games do. A lot of games don't even try to, like in like in Tomb Raider and stuff. A lot of great games. It's just like when you start to play the game, you'll kill a lot of people. That's how video games work. I do think that they make a pretty good effort in this game to, and even so much so that the the character that this whole game revolves around, killing Abby's father, was done through gameplay in the first game. That was not a cutscene. So yeah. they're they're really playing in that in that space in an interesting way. I think it doesn't. It's going to cause them to take more criticism, um, and the reason why I don't personally uh, fall down so hard on that is because they're like one of the few people that are actually trying to do something in that space. So it doesn't really bother me as much when it's not like perfect across the board. It's like yes, and to some degree, yeah. depending on how you play her, I'll just say that to some degree, depending on how you play her, you could probably play it in a more of a non-lethal way most of the time. I don't um, think you or I do that. I don't. I think we, I, we yeah, talked about no, that. Think, if it's in my way, I'm killing it. Yeah, I think pure stealth to that point would be unbelievably more challenging than, you know, the the yeah. usual. If they're in their way, well, I, I guess I guess they have to die. 
I mean, he's kind of he's near a door I need to go through. I should probably kill him too. I I like the when games but, sort of address the whole like the process of becoming a monster thing. I know it's not for everyone because Ellie's like such a goddamn likable person. Like it's hard to see her become a monster, which I think for me is one why I'm glad we have that Dina section in the open world, and two why I am fascinated by it. There is without going to spoilers too much. There's a character in Red Dead called named Sadie. And she loses her husband at the beginning of the game. Uh, and her arc is, like, spaced out broadly over this really long game. But she has the same thing where, like, her sort of desire for uh, vengeance has sort of turned her into a monster. Um, so for yeah. Ellie's arc, I think that it's interesting to see her descend down that down that road. Um because it's she's just such a nice endearing human being but and she and the thing is once you get once you're so deep in you can't really back out you know once she's once you've killed a couple of those people and you're like day two of seattle you can't really just say ah fuck it you know it's kind of like she's in and that 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 one girl you kill right before you kill mel and owen um who you end up we'll probably talk about in a bit when we talk about abby that one hurts a little bit more because it wasn't is how they portray that, and you can even feel it in how she's she's gotten to the point where she's killing people that are just sort of guilty by proximity. Um, and again, that's video yeah. games, right? You're killing a lot of these WLF yeah. people around, and they try and add weight yes. to it. Is yeah, what no, you're saying? I think it mostly works. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the I don't know, like the you pretext. Funny. The pretext as to why you were going to the hospital in the first place felt so flimsy to me. Like, oh, she yeah. might know something. That's a name I think I recognize. And then you go there and torture her to death. Or she she recognized the picture, but, yeah, uh, the, but... The, the the thing with the whole Nora thing, it's funny people say how they go, they really try and drive home the point with Nora. Nora was the one from that group of characters I gave the least shit about. Right? Abby spent, like, when you get to the Abby stuff, you spend the least amount of time with Nora. Mm-hmm. I gave well, the least uh, amount of shit about Nora. I yeah. don't know. I get a decent I, amount of time, the, but yeah. Do yeah. you? I, maybe her character just didn't stand out to me because to me it's like Manny, Owen, Mel are the the three. Yeah. To be honest with you, I don't. I didn't even remember Nora until I was writing this this script up for today. I well, I think it's because like that. Going back through, especially seeing her in that first group and how she's interacting with everyone, and like she, I remember her distinctly because whenever when uh, Ellie confronts her, she you think she's in a place of like oh shit, and she's just like she says something like that fucker deserved what he got. Uh, she yeah. says something really off the wall. You're like that's oh, right. Shit. Bef- that's she's right before die. they ask you to like hit the button to swing the the pipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and also I think that scene is a good example of like the game only using like extreme violence that needs to because they turn the camera and they don't force you to just watch her get bludgeoned to death. So they definitely pick their spots there, and that's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. But I just thought it was interesting that they didn't like they turn the camera so you don't have to sit there and watch her get pummeled to death, and and that choice was interesting to me. But they do force you to do they the pummeling. Force you to, yeah, they do force you to hit the button through the whole thing, which is well, we I mentioned mean, this yeah. before you got back where they. You know, the cutscene will just stall out forever if you uh, if you don't melee Nora to death there. And and you understand why she, especially when I play, replay the intro, I understand why she wants. Nora is one of the people that holds her down, I believe, in yeah. the house. So she is guilty by proximity in her mind. So I get it. Well, um, I mean, she's an accomplice at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, it's it sucks, but hey, you're accomplice to murder. That's what happens. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, let's move on to the next section. Uh, just very brief aside, I wanted to address this. During her past few days, um, while she was traveling in Seattle for the three days, Ellie remembers certain past important events. Her and Joel going to a dinosaur museum, which is one of the best segments in the game. Ellie questioning Joel about what really happened to the Firefly Hospital at the Firefly Hospital, and Ellie actually returning to the hospital and finding evidence that Joel lied to her. One of the difficult pills to swallow in this game is that Joel dies. You feel like you didn't get enough time with that character in this game and that you're missing what happened between him and Ellie. These flashbacks were the writer's way of shuffling out the information at a staggered pace. Why do you think that the choice was made to have Ellie remember bits and pieces when she did rather than playing through all of those in a one massive prologue segment at the beginning. What do you think, Morgan? I just would have been a lot of, there'd have been a lot um, to do. I just, yeah, I mean, I think they've helped balance out the violence of the game. Well, like the sweetness of those moments is sweeter because the violence in the game is so heartbreaking and the violence to me is more heartbreaking because those moments are, are sweeter. I think that they need each other to, to balance each other out. Like you want to remember that Ellie is a, a very sweet girl, you know, that circumstances brought her here and, and she, and I think that's sort of what helps her continue her quest in a weird way. Like it's sort of implied that the flashbacks, I guess are her having them in a way i mean it's for the player but also is she resting is she having these visions are they something she's thinking it's sort of ambiguous um, yeah it was kind of i thought it was strange how some of the flashbacks are obviously someone memory remembering something and other ones just kind of happen and it's not clear whether or not someone's thinking about that at the time or, or what's going need on need exposition yeah, yeah. well it, so, it's just time yeah. for you to know this so we're gonna have a flashback now and i thought it was a yeah, little strange I, that they did both yeah, I kind of assumed that, like, I th I think I feel that in my mind that some of those ones that aren't given exact content or context are her dreaming, remembering these in her dreams. Um, that's kind of the impression I got. I don't yeah, know if like that is supposed to be Yeah, like she's napping before she goes case. back out. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's what I assumed, even though it does not specifically make clear. But anyways, I, I, I think that they're... I don't know. I, I want to push sorry. back on that one a little bit because Abby clearly dreams. And Ellie clearly dreams, and they have these segments that are heightened moments you've seen before. And mm. these are just memories. The other ones just seem more like memories, whether whether or not they're remembering at the time or whether or not you're just reliving them because it's time to show them. Because, again, they jump around yeah. in time well, as it is already, so why wouldn't they jump around in time you know more what? just to give just you the player it. context? I think I just yeah. figured it out, actually. I just did one the other day. I just remember this. And when it ends, you're sitting in a, the chair with your guitar in your hand. So it's almost like she was playing guitar and sort of daydreaming. Because I think after the first one, I did yeah. the dinosaur one. It comes back to her in the theater holding the guitar. You can actually practice guitar right there. Um, so it's almost like she was just uh, – I think we've all done that if you play an instrument. Like maybe she was just kind of spacing out like forlorn kind of a thing. Maybe something like that. Yeah, that might be the case. I'm not sure. Like, I just filled those in with my mind. But the point I actually wanted to say that I agree with you on is that you had said that you felt like those flashbacks were necessary for the tone of the game. And I completely agree. Because if we had played that in one large prologue section, the whole game would have just been violence. 
and these and uh, some cutscenes, but it would have been largely violence, and it, it would have felt even more like torture porn. So in yeah. some well, ways, <laughs> they would have needed these... to have anyway. Whatever, keep mm. going. Oh, okay. All I was gonna, I was just gonna say um, that I feel like having those interspersed in there gives us a chance to breathe. Uh, both from the violence and both from you know yeah. the anxiety of wandering around in all these buildings trying to uh, navigate away from the wolves and the seraphites and the infected. Yeah, there's one after every day in Ellie's, I believe, and they're on. They're all like a nice change of pace from like the the stalking, you know. So, also, um, I think it's probably worth noting, like like you're saying, pacing it out. Obviously, it breaks that stuff up, which is nice. But I also think it was kind of important in getting you to sympathize with Ellie's plight, because one of the last things you learn is that Ellie knew the truth about what Joel did the entire time. And I feel like it's easier to get invested in your plight, yeah. her, her plight, if you believe she doesn't really know the truth. And then by the time you learn that she knew the whole time, it you're just invested and you don't care anymore because it's not about that at that point. Like... The point is to, again, have you sympathizing the whole time. It's like, well, she has her doubts about Joel, but she still doesn't think he did anything that horrible. But then you you learn that, no, she knew. She's known for a long time. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any other major thoughts about the flashbacks before we move forward? Just two brief things. The um, They do a smart job of teaching you a couple tutorial things like swimming and sniping in, in the t flashbacks, which I liked because it felt pretty or natural and organic. There's a funny trophy you can get for putting a hat on a dinosaur in the museum, which is great. Um, yeah. You put the hat on the museum. You put the hat on two dinosaurs in the museum, and then you put it on Joel, and they have like – and you get a trophy for that. Um but like it's just – that's oh, such that incredible – astronaut sequence. I just remembered yeah. that. Oh, yeah, that's that's really I still good. think it's – crazy that everyone calls it the dinosaur museum when the whole point of that was that she wanted to be an astronaut yeah no that that and, whole section is so good yeah like it's the same flashback but like yes like it yeah culminates it's like all dinosaurs in, and then suddenly space because it's, <laughs> it's, weird, it's a yeah. museum yeah there's it's yeah, got yeah, different I mean, it's, it's like a natural science museum they have some yeah. like physics stuff and they had other stuff you as don't well, see too. much of, yeah they don't see much of chemistry but you definitely see some physics stuff in there as well but yeah that makes i think that's fair i just largely a large part of the museum is dedicated to dinosaurs so i think that's why my mind associated it as such yeah well I mean, it's, and it's it the first with. thing you see yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't know i've always associated it the other way around again like that segment the 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 shuttle segment where um, Joel is able to find a tape of a shuttle launch for her to imagine, you know, being there herself in this shuttle with, with a cassette to listen to is another callback to, again, the, the DLC from the first game, which is the best part of the series by like an order of magnitude compared to anything else going on anywhere uh, in the two really games. Good. And it it's making a callback to a scene there where she wants to play a video game. They're in an arcade. Every nothing's nothing's like everything's broken. Nothing's gonna work there. Jack X Combat Racing is yeah. Don't worry, that works. <laughs> yeah, but but her, but her friend describes what's happening in the game and has her close her eyes and imagine it. And they're they're doing a very similar thing again, mm -hmm. um, having her try to imagine what her life could be like 
Um, and having that scene with Joel there is just absolutely the 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 most touching moment of the game of having having him care enough to track down a tape recording of a shuttle launch after the apocalypse place and yeah like that yeah like it's it's insane um that he was you know showing i feel like that shows more of the you know how much he cares for ellie than just about anything else going on in the entire series i mean obviously he kills a bunch of people for wish i played the dlc yeah it's it's so good it's so good, but that that segment is excellent, mm. and I think that that flashback did need to be where it was in the game because Dina is having her doubts the entire trip there. She's rubbing off on you at that point as far as, why the fuck are we doing this, Ellie? Why are we still here? And then you get that flashback, and I feel like without that, there is zero way to convince anyone that you should be here on this on this stupid mission, like. But that that scene does so much. Yeah. It to gives give you the motivation. whole like, no, we owe him this. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, the weight of like her knowing. Yeah. To me, that was just like, oh, this guy is sacrificing all of humanity just to save me. Like, oh, thanks a lot. You know, that's the burden of that. It, to me, is less about all the people he killed to do it. But, like, just the idea that, like, this person cared about me enough to, like, sacrifice all the human race, it almost would it would make you very uncomfortable. So I understand why she ended up feeling the way she did, but you also were like, it's such an act of love, but it's almost too much. You know, you don't ever want to hear that someone wants to, is willing to sacrifice the entire world for you, even if they would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that's yeah. a red flag yeah. at that point. Yeah, creepo, uh, yeah. total. It's like, no, I would totally... I'd totally commit genocide for you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that'd be funny if it wasn't so hauntingly true. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, really. Okay. Well, let's let's hop into the next section of the game. So back in the present, we see Tommy, Jesse, Ellie, and Dina are all at their hiding spot in an old theater. Abby comes in and immediately kills Jesse, shoots him straight in the head, and shoots Tommy in the leg. She holds Tommy at gunpoint and tells Ellie to drop her gun. Suddenly, we are sent into three days earlier, where we witness Abby learning that her ex-boyfriend Owen has gone missing while investigating Seraphite activity. Abby sneaks out of her settlement against Isaacs, the leader's, demands to search for Owen, and she is captured by the Seraphites. She is rescued by Yara and Lev, two former Seraphites who have been deemed apostates. They get to safety, and Abby helps fix Yara's arm that was smashed by the Seraphites. Despite being, being, despite being in a somewhat dire situation, Abby leaves them to continue her search for Owen. I think that this was a particularly bold choice that I was not a fan of at first. I was incredibly confused as to why we as the players took control of Abby at the beginning of the game. After the switch, I really didn't want to play as Abby at all. Um, Without jumping too far into the future, as I will make sure to give us all the opportunity to reflect on this choice later on, I promise... What were your first thoughts about taking control of the quote-unquote villain of the game, Rich? Oh, I was like, oh, we finally got to this part. 
because uh, <laughs> I feel like once they briefly make you take control of Abby uh, the first time, it just seems weird that they wait that long to do it again. And uh, we've discussed this. Those were some of my bigger problems with the pacing is how they chose to split it up so directly. Uh, I think there's some pretty obvious reasons as to why they did that. I just don't necessarily think it was the best move. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of felt that same way, too. And um, I also obviously was not ready to take control of a villain as well. Uh, one who, at this point, I perceived is a just disgusting, vile human being. Um, but obviously things change. Morgan, what were like? What were your initial thoughts on taking control of Abby completely in this segment? It was... I was really excited, honestly, because it was like... It gave me those weird feelings I had. Um, I, I thought a lot about Metal Gear Solid 2 and Halo 2 and stuff, even though they were like different variations of it. But um, I never had that sort of hatred toward Abby that I think a lot of people did. I don't know if it was just because she says, when we, like, I could just sense, you know, through the writing that obviously she wasn't just some bad scumbag that had killed Joel. I never really felt that way from, from I guess from the interactions I'd had with her, I didn't feel like, Hey, I'm playing the villain, but I did feel like, Oh shit, this is going to freak people the fuck out, which I love. I love when I play games and I experience something where I'm like, Oh, people are going to flip their shit about this. And they did. Um, because I, I think also that stuff love is, the Arbiter. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I yeah. love the Arbiter too. And those, that's a much less scarier swap too, because it's a first person shooter. So it's like, you don't, you don't even really see who you are. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, that and sci-fi kind of has a history of having you play as the other, like everyone's justified in this. That's kind of just a, that's almost a sci-fi the, trope at this point of the whole. This is going to be um, a, a weird galaxy scale war in this and, last of us podcast. But mm-hmm. I, I just wanted your perspective on this guys. I firmly believe that in the Halo series, there's more sexual tension between Chief and Arbiter <laughs> than there is between Chief and Cortana. <laughs> Probably. I, do, I, I love the Arbiter. But I will say this, that the, as, as interesting, and I think you could say to some degree that was kind of uh, brave for, for being such a big game, that like the way they're doing it this way, like trying to say, oh, this person that most people are hating, let's let you play them, is very is a lot, I think, scary i'm sure because i've sent you guys some of the comments from a lot of the people that i know that just had trouble getting over no matter what they were presented with they had Mm. trouble getting over that so i thought it was really really thrilling like i didn't and because the first thing you do after you do the flashback where she saves the zebra with her dad is you get the flashback where she runs in and sees her dad um dead and then you go okay that's how that's how this is all hinging together i want to get more on the flashback when i kind of go with that but that dream is kind of where i was starting to get because you play that a lot iffy on what's supposed to be just a flashback and what's supposed to be a character remembering something or dreaming because that her abby finding her dad is a nightmare that recurs through the rest of the game um and that's what kind of like it didn't reframe it as like oh all of a sudden you have more information sort of a reframing but as far as like a a narrative device it kind of made me wonder what the rest of them actually were as far as like whether it was just a flashback or what um because i think some of them are flashbacks i think some of them a lot of the ones with ellie specifically they'd give you like this many years ago whenever it leads into that and i don't have many dreams where 
the you know the date and location pop up whenever i i enter a new get, scene you, um, you don't get times new roman just splayed across your vision all of mine have that oh they do oh man i'm, I'm it's probably just weirdly me, enough most of my dreams are set in the future <laughs> <laughs> um but well it, and the, the cool thing is like not to interrupt you josh but yeah. like during that first uh thing like you like literally in the first five minutes of kind of walking around Abbey. You, what I liked about it was you get to see another faction, like how they live, and mm-hmm. they, they were like in like a like a stadium, like a football stadium or something. Yeah, and, they mentioned that notes in Ellie section multiple times about moving to the stadium, and that's where uh, Wolf, like the wolves, are setting up like their base of operations. It's it's whatever fucking state you're in at that. You're in Seattle at that point in Washington. Yeah, you're in Seattle, yeah. so it's it's presumably the. The sea sea chickens. Well, it'd be the Uh sea chickens because of uh, legal rights and whatnot. Yeah, the the chicken of the sea. So it's it's the tuna. You're in the stadium of the tuna. The sea tuna. It was just cool to see how those how those places work. Like even like the way she's just walking down and she just kind of like checks out a dog from the kennel and you're like, oh, that's how they do. Oh, okay, all right. So like Uh, you're kind of just walking you through their their life. Which I really quick question about that. Yeah, yeah. So I I hadn't looked at the achievements yet. I don't know if you guys did this. I played cat, or fetch with that dog for like 15 minutes. I'm like, there's got to be an achievement surrounding this. No, so I'm just one. throwing the ball for 15 mm. minutes, and I'm like, when I, I love this dog, but when's this achievement gonna pop up? And I was like, I probably should just go look at the list, and there wasn't there. And I was like, yeah, Yo, this dog can go play fetch with himself. I'm I'm leaving. Yeah. No, I never Leave even interacted with that dog. The only dog I interacted oh. with was the one that they force you to because there's a door that doesn't unlock until he fetches like four Monster. times. Monster. Yeah, there's um. I thought it was cool. Like, yeah, it was just an interesting <laughs> way of like. I think definitely what they're going for by making like literally wake up with this person and walk through their entire day as opposed to like here's a flashback with Abby rolling around with the dog so that we make you care about the dog. It was just like this is her day from the beginning. You get a burrito. You walk to the kennels, you check out your guns. And it's also cool just for world building. You get to see all the stuff they're doing in that naughty dog way where people are just like talking to each other as they're walking along. So yeah. I was pretty into it. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. I, I, I can't remember if it was Rich or Shay I was talking to about, but I feel like Abby's whole section, the whole character, everything about it is so much stronger than Ellie's. Um, because it is reframing stuff you've already seen and giving you the context you kind of needed to begin with. Um, and like, hmm. I, I think they're trying to make you sympathize with Ellie longer than you really should by having you play all three days together. Like, I'm curious what the game would have looked like with day one with Ellie, day one with Abby, and then stagger them as far as, I th- yeah, I think, I I think agree. you'd hate Ellie so much earlier in the game if you did that. Um, yeah, and so, you don't really want to hate her though. So, well, I mean, you'd be less sympathetic. Yeah, you'd be less like, sympathetic to her plight at the very least. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's about so. I think hating I anyone. think they had to do it that way, but I don't. Yeah. Anyway, I I kind of. Going back to Ellie's section on New Game Plus, I there's just so many like big fun and like environments in there, and like I don't know, I don't necessarily feel like Abby's v- v- section is stronger. I feel like they're just different. Like Abby's section has more peaks and crescendos. It, it's a different. Like, we're, like Shay's gonna probably get into her in a yeah. second. There's I, like a yeah. horseback scene and like a boss and all this other stuff. So yeah, they're yeah, just I different. Don't like there's bigger all the set pieces, rails stuff that Abby has because there's way more on rail shooting and crap where all of a sudden you have infinite ammo and stuff like that. I'm not as big a fan of that. 
but I, I think as far as the character development and everything going on, it, just narratively, it's way more There's also interesting. sections that felt almost strange to me gameplay-wise. Um, particularly, I think I mentioned it to all of you guys, the hospital section as Abby. Mm-hmm. is I've walked out of that section going, this is the most this has ever felt like a Resident Evil game. Yeah, yeah which is pretty you know, which is cool. But yeah. Yeah, I I felt like the initial impressions for me and then we can jump on oh. or jump yeah. forward. Actually, we initial need impressions. To just one more thing. Sorry. Yeah, I I wanted to touch more on that flashback, so before we move on. Sorry. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. Um like I said, I wasn't a big fan of her and then she obviously she grew on me. Um but one of the things I felt like they were trying to do with her character somewhat was re- like they had to do some legwork to really make you care about her. So some of the stuff felt a little bit forced um, in some regards. Like uh, I know Josh had mentioned this to me. I don't remember if it was privately or we were during the podcast, but her father seems like the absolute nicest freaking guy in the world. Like he's such a sweetheart in that flashback. And if he was anything but that, you would not care near as much about Abby. So, I mean, like, in some ways they had to do that, and it feels very convenient, but it also makes sense. Um, I'm not I'm not completely knocking there's the not, game for doing that. There's not space in that section to have him be a complicated character. Right, exactly. So he's just this absolute sweetheart of a character mm-hmm. uh, See, in I, that flashback. Yeah. I got that he was... I don't know. I got that he was definitely struggling. I didn't really necessarily get that he was a complete... I know they try to show you that he's, like, saving, and he's he, he cares about things larger than himself, and I think there's value there, but he was definitely struggling with that dilemma of, like, taking her life. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, actually, I, oddly enough, this is another one of those reframing flashbacks where he is... He's, he's absolutely the best guy ever because he doesn't really want to kill Ellie there like it's something he has to do and his daughter kind of helps convince him of it like oh no we need to do this thing so abby knew that the reason her dad was killed this whole time was that he was going to kill ellie like from the beginning which is yeah um and it's it's weird because you have that information on abby through her entire playthrough um and it kind of it reframes an awful lot of what she does. And I, I think because of that, I feel like there's just more complex dialogue. And people are conflicted on Abby. Like, not, not like, players, but, like, in the game um, a whole lot more. Whereas it feels like everybody kind of goes along with whatever Ellie wants to do. Um, yeah. Or, or, yeah. And yeah. One one thing I did want to say about that is um, it does stay fairly consistent. It just, like, I didn't realize that her father was going to kind of become the embodiment of that. And what I mean by that is if you're reading some of the documents from the first game, and I'm surprised I remember this, to be honest with you, because um, I never remember anything, is in the first game when you're reading some of those documents in the Firefly area and you're listening to some of those audio um, recordings that they took, they do talk about their hesitancy to follow through with doing what they have to do for um, with Ellie. Yeah. Like there are com- actual conversations where they're like, "Are we really going to kill a little girl?" Um, and hope that this, you know, this treatment actually works. You know, like there's no guarantee. 
And so th- there are discussions, and they make that consistent when they show the flashback in this game um, with Abby and her father. It just, like, the father becomes, like, the living embodiment of that dilemma, um, yeah. which isn't a well, bad thing. I'm not saying yeah, that's a bad even, thing at all. I'm, I just wasn't prepared for that. Yeah, they, well, even with the whole daddy-daughter bonding over, over in, you know, a savannah animal, but he has to be even nicer than Joel, so let's save it. It's, it's, it's a mother, and it's trapped in all this stuff, yeah. so it's like, let's, 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 it feels like there are an awful lot of shortcuts taken to get you as on board with Abby's dad being the best fucking guy ever as quickly as possible. And yeah. time-wise, I understand it, but it it can be a little much. Uh, if yeah, there's the possibility that if you are a lead yeah. surgeon in this very important group that maybe he was the best fucking guy in the world. I don't know. <laughs> like, unfortunately, I, you're going to, you know... Hmm. I think they would have benefited from splitting that up into two flashbacks instead of one. I know that's such a small thing mm-hmm. to nitpick here, but I think that would have given a little bit more breathability instead of compacting it all into one um, flashback. And also, I think it would have allowed for us to have just that little bit more of time with this character and then for us to be like, okay, this is a little bit more believable that this isn't just being ham-fisted into the story. Um, I, I think yeah. I personally would have benefited from that. I'm sure some other people feel the same way. But um, one thing I wanted to touch on before we move on, because Josh had mentioned this earlier and we were kind of dancing around the issue, is Jesse. Um, I had mentioned that at the beginning of this uh, this whole thing. Uh, he's immediately killed by Abby before we right before we jump into taking control right. of Abby. And yeah. um, well, <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert! No, uh, and I really did not like that death at all. I, I like um, it was not earned at all. Um, I felt like basically that what I was saying felt earlier is it did because Naughty Dog does such a good job of writing characters and character development, and they I felt like I had felt like up until this point every single death of a character that they introduced no matter how minor or major they gave him him or her or them any screen time you felt that that the death was earned or that the death was warranted or that the death um made logical sense and i'm not i'm not completely saying that they f- fucked this up what i'm saying is that it just it didn't feel like with what they were doing with Jesse's character and then his untimely demise, you knew that was probably where he was going, but it made him feel strictly a one note plot point for what happens later in the game. And it just, it goes against to me what I felt like Naughty Dog has crafted over the recent years with their games, like the Uncharted series and the last of us is that they've done such a good job at making every character feel like they matter when they're introduced and Jesse really didn't feel like that at all. When you see what ends up happening to him. I agree with, I don't like the way they killed him, but I also disagree on the, him feeling like such a great character. I, I don't, I felt like it was obvious that he was just a plot point the entire time with like, I, I mentioned before, you know, the whole relationship with, 
Dina and like, oh no, there's gonna be there's gonna be, you know, strain here. This is gonna this is gonna cause, you know, the relationship between Dina and Ellie to be a whole lot more complicated. Even to the point where there's no fucking reason for him to be in Seattle, but he shows up right after you find out Dina's pregnant. So you're like, oh man, this is going to complicate that relationship more. It's the first thing you think. He comes back. That's not what the story's about. So of course they don't have any use for that thread ever again. So he needs to die right away because that's not anything to do with what the rest of the story is going on with. Yeah. So like, as soon as he showed up, I'm like, oh, he's going to die instantly because this thread is... Yeah. There's nothing... It hasn't been mentioned before or since. It, like, he's got to die just right away, and he, then he does, and it was kind of... I don't know. Like, I didn't like it, like you said, but you, I kind of saw it coming. You, you know, now that you're mentioning it, I kind of prefer it to the alternative in some fucked up way that he lives, because I think about it now, and I, I was talking about it earlier, how I didn't like the quote-unquote teenage love triangle drama that was happening if he stayed alive and he found out that dina was pregnant with his child and like they're like well how do we navigate these waters it really would have descended into that now that i think about it. i didn't well, even think knew, about that he knew dina was pregnant right at the end i'm saying like For he knew about seconds. it and he stayed alive and now he's like well how do we uh navigate this bucket of water you know they don't have that accent but i don't know why i gave it that accent either <laughs> but um <laughs> they, Jesse, they are like trying to spoken figure... asian american man <laughs> sorry um but yeah like had he stayed alive and then dina and ellie and jesse are like okay well how do we all navigate this new world um kind of situation i don't think i would have been nearly as interested in that i just yeah i don't think justice jesse was necessary company <laughs> I actually have not. Of course, I don't. I have. What are you I'm I don't necessarily feel like Jesse wasn't a great character. I think he had great potential, and I say that because I know Naughty Dog's track record of making awesome characters. And that's yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know Morgan or Rich if you guys have anything specific or particular you want to say about Josh's and my. Uh, perspectives or if you have a different perspective on jesse scenario if not we can move on i think i'm good to move on i don't know i uh it's sort of in line with my astute uh game of thrones reference earlier um i wanted to say that uh <laughs> I, yeah sorry go back and listen to it i'm sure at some point but anyway um i was agreeing did... with you when i told you you were wrong which is what i thought was funny but <laughs> you were just done at that point but anyway um, the, the interesting thing is that like, much like Manny is at any moment, you know, it's very, it's like surprising how quickly they go. There's not like some dramatic, you know, moment. He didn't have a super important part of the story. Like he has a really, you have a really epic car sequence with him. I actually just played it last night from a gameplay perspective where you're like running down all these infective and you like go into a, a lake and like from a gameplay perspective is just awesome. Um, but he's fine. Like I just and like he's he's really he's well acted and well performed. I just like the idea that not this is one of the things when I was younger that really uh, I was I sort of one of the reasons why I did fall in love with things like Game of Thrones is because characters don't always have to have the arc you'd expect. You're like this character had to be leading up towards something, and it's like no, 
they just died of dysentery or something. And you're like, I've been following for two books. I don't understand. And I think for a lot of people, especially like your comparison Uncharted, which is like a very kind of a kumbaya sort of thing. I, I get it. I think it's I understand where you're coming from for sure. But I, I like how and you might be right. Maybe it was just for plot service reasons. I'm not in the writing room. But I do like the idea that characters can go out with a whimper. Um, because it's sort of the antithesis of what we expect, which is yeah. like you know, this grand arc for everyone, you know. That's all. That's all I want to say about Jeff. Yeah, I, I think it's less about the fact that like his death was wasn't earned, which that is part of it for me. But the bigger part is that he just he felt like such a flat one note character. Like you said, well acted, well voiced, but still flat because he serves minimal purpose up to this point. Um, the the biggest the biggest thing he serves is putting a baby in someone's belly. Which I can tell you right now, Shay is a big purpose, believe it or not. And he doesn't even do it on screen. <laughs> Damn him. No, like no the, the like that's that's what I'm talking about. His, like his whole arc feels very ham fisted because as we'll talk about later it's a weird way of wording it his contribution to ellie's and dina's relationship becomes more apparent when he's not on the screen and uh it becomes a matter of convenience but we'll discuss that later um we're gonna get there later we need to i think move on i don't have a strong disagreement we looked at it differently but i don't like have a strong disagreement there no yeah yeah, i same way Uh, i feel the same way that you're saying about your point as well so it's all good but let's move on. We still have a lot of, believe it or not, guys, we're on the tail end of page three of five. So we have a long way to go. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> we're almost at two <laughs> hours. All right. She finds, <sighs> she finds, God damn it. She finds Owen at an abandoned aquarium that has become his secret hideout. He admits to Abby that he is sick of the war and plans to set sail for Santa Barbara as there are rumors that the Fireflies are reassembling there. After having sex with Owen, she leaves early the next morning to rescue Yara and Lev, feeling guilty for leaving them behind. Yara is in dire straits, so Lev and Abby travel to a hospital to retrieve medical supplies. They take some shortcuts that the Seraphites use to avoid and circumvent wolf patrols. This leads to an absolutely amazing bridge sequence that if you haven't experienced for yourself yet, you need to. Uh, They gather the supplies and return to Yara, gathering her and returning to the aquarium to find Mel there. They implore Mel to amputate Yara's arm, and she hesitantly complies. Afterwards, Lev runs away to return to their mother to convince her to leave the cult. Abby and Yara pursue him, sneak into the Seraphite camp, and find a horrified Lev who has accidentally killed his mother in self-defense. Okay, so this next segment may be touchy for some of you, the listeners, and it may make some of us, the hosts, nervous to discuss. But to be honest, I, Shay, personally, don't care. We're going to discuss it. So, some of the big reasons that this game was review-bombed into oblivion by people was because of the inclusion of a trans character, Lev. Lev shaved his head, identifying as a man. 
Obviously, there's more that goes into it. I'm trying to shorten it for time's sake. Um, I, I'm not trying to offend anybody by shortening it. This angered the Seraphites, and that is the backdrop of their story that you learn in conversation between Abby and Yara in their pursuit of Lev. We're not going to discuss the review bombing, as I'm sure you can figure out where we stand on that particular part of the conversation. However, what I do want to discuss is Lev. There are so many angles that we can take with it with this conversation, so I'm going to choose one, and if it naturally segues into the others, we will allow it to happen. I want to start the conversation off by saying that I am absolutely ecstatic about the multiple representations of the LGBTQ community in a mainstream game. And I think that this is incredible social progress, personally. Did you guys feel that by including a trans character in The Last of Us 2, that it hampered the game's story for you at all? Why or why not? And I do realize ahead of time that this is a bit of a loaded question. I couldn't figure out the best way to word this without it feeling loaded. So I just left it as is. But I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you first, Josh. Um, did you feel that by including Lev in the game and Lev being a trans character that it hampered the story at all for you? Uh, no, I think outside of the main characters, Lev was the best character in the game. Um, there's just way more interesting stuff going on with what he's dealing with. Like, I feel like he's a better character than Dina. Like, Dina, until the very end, doesn't feel like she does a lot. She's just someone that Ellie likes. Uh, whereas Lev is making decisions, doing things from the instant you meet him. Um, and I feel like, for the most part, they handled it really well. I, I have some... <sighs> quibbles with... Again, you, you mentioned some of the backstory that you're skipping over. Some of that backstory is taken as a as a whole kind of a reason to uh um undervalue Lev's decision okay. and I I I feel like if you read it that way it can be a little bit problematic as far as like like i i i've 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 got trans friends who have specifically mentioned that and it's just it's one of those things where i'm i'm not in on the whole every representation needs to be a completely perfect representation of of someone so i think it works but also if you generalize it doesn't like it's kind of it's it's yeah but other than that, I love Lev as a character. I, I like just everything about the way he interacts with his sister throughout all of this, the way he comes to understand Abby through all of this, and it's I, it's it's excellently done. I really, really yeah. enjoyed that section. Well, not just yeah, section, but I, like from that part on. Yeah, I remember it so we... This is kind of a behind the scenes for the fans and actually for um, Rich and Morgan. Josh and I stayed behind after recording an episode of the Chomp cast within the last few weeks. And him and I actually discussed this privately 
Um, I, you know, I personally don't know anybody in the trans community who has been offended by the representation of Lev in this game. Um, I can understand some regards why they feel um, like the progress isn't enough because Lev is not a main character. And I, I imagine that uh, granted I'm not in the trans community, so I do not speak for them. I speak, I I'm on the outside looking in. I do have friends in that community. Um, not that ones that have played this game, but I do have friends in that community. Um, and I'm saying that because not because I will, <laughs> I understand the the implications that has, but what I'm saying uh, is that I have empathy for my friends when I'm when I'm talking about what I'm about to talk about. So you understand that there is going to be a little bit of bias there. I understand that the trans community. W- wants representation in a main character way. I I don't know the better way to word that. I apologize. And I understand that. And I totally respect that. I, I think it's again, outside looking in, I think it's harmful. If you say that without acknowledging the progress that this game is making towards that conversation. And um, I I hesitate to say that because I know how oppressed that community is, and I know the terrible stuff that they have to deal with on a daily basis. And um, being a cis straight white man, how probably belittling that is to hear from me because I don't have to suffer that every day. But I do want to say that I really think that if you devalue the progress that's being made here then it's it's just becomes even more difficult to have these kind of conversations going forward um on the flip side of that the fact that people got angry because a trans uh trans character was included in a game is absolutely angering and frustrating and sad that yeah that's we we exist beyond ridiculous. We exist yeah, in 2020. That's... Like there's already, I mean, there's so much hate in this world happening right now. We know that. And I know, I know yeah. you guys listen to us as a way to escape that, but this game so much mirrors real life. And I think that's why it's such a hard game to talk about. And it's why people are so sick of talking about this game right now is because it mirrors real life. And it's so hard to see all the hate that is being perpetuated um, as a result. And all, all that needed that was needed to perpetuate that hate was a fictional character. Um, And what I mean by fictional character is a real life representation, but a fictional character. And the fact that people are sending death threats to actors and actresses who worked on this game to the to the writers um to almost anybody who is involved um spoil like spoiling is not that big of a deal when you're considering the other stuff i've just mentioned before but just 
doing anything they can to espouse hate because one character was trans. How how how, well, you, how, how can you live yeah. with yourself at the end of the? And this is me. I'm not represent. Um, my opinion is not representing these three. I want to make that clear right now. But how can you live with yourself hating somebody because of who they are? How can how can you hate someone for that? Like if it doesn't affect you, and I just I don't I don't get it. And yeah, yeah I, I don't no, I don't know if I will ever get that hate. No, there's nothing to get. They're an embarrassment to gamers. They're an embarrassment to humans. Like. <laughs> Come the fuck on, you shit sacks. Like, grow up. We're all fucking tired of your bullshit. And that's not that's not as the podcast, that's as a human. We're all fucking tired of your bullshit. 100% agreed. I I understand if any person in that community feels slighted because it's not a main character representation. I know that a lot of people oh. had perceived Abby yeah. was the trans character. And I, to be honest with you, I wasn't entirely clear until we discussed um, this game that people were jumping to snap conclusions. I, I, I hope that the majority of the trans community is is able to take away some positivity from including Lev in this game because it is a mainstream game. It is, to my knowledge, the one of the one of the first mainstream games that put that at the forefront of their story. It's not the first game because there there are indie games that have done this. Um, we've talked about it um, throughout our f- almost four years of podcasting, but this is one of the first mainstream games that have done it, and that's absolutely incredible. And I hope that. The progress continues to push forward. I hope that we continue to have these conversations and we're able to educate people so we can get through the ignorance and the hate um, as much as we can. And I hope that people who are on the other side of the coin uh, find positivity in their life and hopefully are able to see it from a different viewpoint and a different perspective. You heard him get bent. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, to, to get back to the overall thing so we can move on as far, I thought the trans character was implemented, implemented incredibly well. I thought that like, it opened up an interesting conversation. I was actually talking to my wife about it and like, even I know there's elements of it, like with all forms of media that can be triggering to people. I was reading some articles though, like, like, the way the scars will basically dead name um, Lev when it like in in gameplay too you'll hear them call Lev um, Lily. I it was Lily. Yeah. yeah. And but again, I think really... that's part of the culture. Like that's part of the yes. point of it is like that's why he had to get out of there. Like I I, I get that it's uncomfortable because I can't ever put myself in that position or like. I just can't ever understand that community on that level. Like obviously supportive of it and everything, but I'm just not a part of it in that way. But to me, that just comes off as like being a part of like, how much more difficult would it be? Like it's difficult in modern day to be a transgender person, like unbelievably difficult. Imagine, imagine going through that in this world. Yeah. 
Imagine if you also have to deal with Republicans. Exactly, but yeah. thankfully they're all gone. Mm-hmm. I've, it's this, and and I get like, anyways, yeah. As far as the dead naming thing goes, like I get like from the the one I believe it was Riley at Kotaku, and if I'm, I'm wrong about that, I apologize. But I believe they were mentioning that it wasn't necessarily they thought it was executed well, but they was just yeah they were definitely having some triggered moments. But and you can understand that, but that also that's sort of what's tough about. I mean, we've all probably been triggered by some sort of trauma, uh, you know. And I'm not trying to compare like like we've all been through the same things but i know like if there's something um that really deals with anxiety or like choking that i'm watching in media it will it'll trigger me but i don't but i understand why it's there so i I, my general consensus i would think is that people believe this character was portrayed well because it shows the plight of potentially the plight of let's say someone who's transgender that has been you know ostracized or what have you from there um, community. In this case, it's almost like a religion. Cult and is the word you're looking for. Cult, religion, yeah. And it's something I think that can help a wider mass of people sort of understand um, how difficult that can be, even though it's just one example. And that could be, it starts a good conversation. So yes, I think it was, from my perspective, I thought it was executed really well. I did. I think Lev was a that moment when you do cross the bridge was like the first time I was like, okay, Lev does seem like a really cool character because he's trying to like calm you down with his weird sense of humor and like the Abby's like only fear is like heights, um, which by the way is really cool when you replay the game. You and I talked about be- this, yeah, yeah. At the very beginning of the game, there's a scene where she's afraid of heights and it adds a whole new context to that. Um, anyways, yeah. I thought they did, and and Naughty Dog came out and they said they have transgender people that work at Naughty Dog. They tried to treat it with a lot of respect as much as you can, and we've never, if you think about it, we've never talked about a trans character on this podcast ever. In the four years we've done it, I don't think we've ever had this discussion, so we, has to we, be a- ha- we have indirectly, um, there's a game called Time Spinners that came out last year um, that Josh and I actually have talked about that have a lot of... Yeah. Um, people in the lgbtq spectrum characters i should say so we have talked about it not to this detail yeah yeah exactly and you know having it in that for that triple a audience is is huge that's the other thing i mean we didn't really get to talk about and that's fine i'll have to jump into it right now but just getting that representation for um like ellie and dina's relationship for a mass audience is also really 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 i think important i know some people message me about Mass Effect and and Dragon Age, and I think those games were important in their own way. It's just very different because you can avoid those relationships entirely. And yep, exactly. Um, but it doesn't mean they weren't important or impactful. I mean, it's it's just nice to have that inclusion. So, yeah, it makes me really happy to see this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of why I said um, there are multiple representations of that. That's exactly why I want to say that because I know. Um, and I don't want to downplay Ellie's and Dina's relationship at all because, yeah, that's, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, important as well. Um, I'm not going to compare what level of importance one is versus the other, though. That's a ridiculous conversation. But, um, yeah, I think, you, you know, to to leave this conversation as it is now, um, you know where the four of us stand, uh, if that bothers you or offends you in any way tough titties so let's move on 
The trio begins to flee when the WLF lead a massive assault on the Seraphites. Abby is confronted by Isaac, and she betrays them to save Lev and Yara. Yara ends up sacrificing herself so Lev and Abby can escape. They escape and return to the aquarium. Abby starts to feel at peace, finally leading her life back to a place of normalcy and feeling like herself. They enter to find the poor puppers, Mel and Owen, have been murdered. Abby also finds a map showing where Ellie's hideout is as she left it behind. Abby shows up with Lev to the theater, where she kills Jesse and shoots Tommy. She is blindsided and loses her gun. Her and Ellie fight on the backstage of the theater, and Abby eventually overpowers Ellie and an unfortunate Dina, Jesus, that was a tongue twister, who tries to sneakily incapacitate Abby. Abby beats Dina and almost kills her, but Ellie begs Abby to spare Dina as she is with child. Ellie refuses, but Lev acts as a voice of reason for Abby. Abby obliges and warns them to leave Seattle or she will finish the job. There were a bunch of small segments that I had to gloss over due to time, such as meeting Abby's partner Manny and some of their awesome, amazing experiences together. Uh Abby's own flashbacks, witnessing Tommy murder Manny, which is a great parallel of Jesse, and Abby dispatching Tommy on her way to the aquarium. Throughout this section of the game, we see Abby transition from an antagonist to a deuteragonist. She goes from being reviled by a player to tolerated to liked to, dare I say it, adored. Granted, this is not the opinion of everyone as some people still absolutely hate her, but that's how I feel. The writers paced her story well and made it so compelling that I found myself liking her storyline more than Ellie's by the end of the game. How did you feel about playing as Abby and absorbing her story, Morgan? Um, yeah, I like them. I like them equally for different ways. Um, I think it's that scene in the that scene in the theater for me was really, really like it. It messed. It fucked me up a little bit because you pull. You're pulled away at the end of Ellie's storyline and. I I love Ellie. I think Ellie might be the most fully realized my favorite character maybe ever in in a in a video game period. I just like her that. I just like her performance that much. I like her as a character that much. And she was on the other side of me and I was trying to kill her. And it was such a strange feeling that I've I've never experienced before. I in any any game i was it was just weird and i was she was running around and at the same time i was playing abby who i'd just been with for like eight hours or whatever and i totally understood why and the cool thing the game was i thought for sure when they got back together that they would give you back control of ellie because that seems like the more so i thought it was smart that they left you in control of abby um and just kind of flipped the script there so that whole sequence was just so brutal and strange and like like I was just I've never felt anything like it. It was very weird seeing Ellie running around like just screaming at me trying to shoot me with a shotgun. It was just so fucking weird. It was weird. I I that one very it, it, got, it got me. It got yeah, me I, good. Th- 
the the crazy part is like during that fight you're talking about specifically she's actually like using some of the abilities that you yourself have given her like she's crafting molotovs as you're you're hiding <laughs> yeah. from her or she's crafting um the little proximity bombs that you have given her the ability to craft so like she's using the abilities that you've given her to fight against you which is a really really unique unique idea i liked it so much yeah but um i will go ahead and throw this next to mr rich how did you feel about playing as abby and absorbing her story up until this point um i do really feel coming out the end of it that abby ends up having the stronger story um part of that i think is subject to her coming second and sort of giving you a lot more perspective on some of the things that were going on in ellie's story um kind of as a consequence of that uh again i i've mentioned this before i think a lot of my bigger problems with the last of us and i did really enjoy the game were was the pacing and i feel like some of the character work would have felt stronger if we had kind of carved up the story a little more and gone back and forth but i ended up really liking the time you spend as abby and it gives you a a unique perspective in that world and on the situation and i do think she ends up having the stronger story that's fair that's fair josh what about you how do you weigh in yeah, no, I, I mentioned this earlier. I thought Abby's story was much stronger throughout, and I do think a lot of it is because she's the second half. So like Rich is saying, you're actually learning stuff instead of it all being mysterious throughout. truths Yeah, and like not actually understanding what's going on. Um, I, just, I feel like it worked a lot better, and... Again, I was glad that they didn't give control back to Ellie because you don't want Ellie to win that fight at that point. Like, it's just, again, like, you've not wanted Ellie to win for so long. You just wanted to fucking go home. Like, just fucking go home, Ellie. And it's just, no one around her will tell her that is is the or issue. They, they, they've tried, and she just disregards them. Like, I, I know Jesse is like hey like earlier in the in the yeah. game i don't know if you remember that jesse's like hey you got to promise me if we get close to tommy you need to abandon your your desire to go after abby mm-hmm. and then she's like yeah i promise and then when it comes time she goes back on it so mm-hmm. i mean like people were telling her she just didn't listen yeah and she's young you know she's well, yeah it's tough she age wise she's young experience wise definitely not young like she the shit that she has dealt with from from game one and up to that point in game two is stuff that we've never dealt with and never will have to deal with so she's definitely got the experience there i don't think i get what you're saying i just i don't feel like that's entirely accurate but like um i just remember abby had that line where she was like oh and they're they're just kids you know she's just like it's just yeah. it's just sad, you know? Like, they've been through a lot, but they're still just... Yeah, and... Just yeah, I think Rich was right. I think a big reason why I probably liked Abby's story more was not the only reason, but a big part was because her story comes second. 
And yeah, I, I think I think Josh is right that's part too. Of it. You you want you want Ellie to go home because you're like this doesn't end well. Like there's no possible world that yeah. this ends well. And then when you're playing as Abby, you kind of already know what's coming. Um, and yeah, you just you don't want to see Ellie go through that because you still empathize with her. Yeah, no, I I I think the second is part of it, but I don't think that's most of it. I think most of it is that there's actually character dialogue with Abby's story. Like the different characters have different motivations going on and will call Abby on her shit. And because of that, like the dialogue is so much better. Like in Ellie's story, everyone's just there because of Ellie. Like as far as like they know her, like their entire plot is something to Ellie. Whereas People have other stuff going on in Abby's story, um, completely unrelated to her. It's true. Um, sometimes, true. sometimes opposed to her, and it's just more interesting seeing the dynamics between each character and Abby when you're going through that story because of that. Um, Fair point. And yeah, I think yeah. I f- ended up feeling a lot differently than you guys because, um, as far as like liking them for different reasons. You know, Ellie's, she's just, hers is more of a lonesome journey. Like, I really love what her and Dina have dialogue-wise, like that open world scene where you're kind of exploring. But other than that, it's Ellie and Dina, and then Jesse kind of shows up, and it's it's different. And, you know, Abby's got more of a, a click with her. There's just more people from the beginning, and there's, Ellie's journey is more of a lonesome one. So, like, I mean, there's a middle chapter in hers where she's by herself. But I, like, from a gameplay perspective in particular, I I loved Ellie's chapter. Like, all those overgrown uh, stores and all that stuff. Like, I like the I like the balance of the two. I like how lonely and sad and the the romance of, of Ellie's, and I like the balance of how Abby's is more of a traditional. I think that's why people like it more. It's more traditional. Like, she's got the child character. It's a little more guns blazing i get that it's but i i like them both as a compliment to each other i don't you know for those reasons i I think you're touching on something that we're kind of skirting around is that that is like with a lot of the similarities that their stories have this is like one absolute opposite in their stories is that ellie is surrounded by people that love her and care about her like um the whole the whole her whole arc is people trying to tell her, don't go after this person. Stop doing that. I mean, that's why Tommy leaves a big, uh, like half of the reason I um, obviously I don't know the exact percentage is so that Ellie doesn't go because he doesn't want her to risk her life. Dina doesn't want her to go. Jesse doesn't want her to go. Tommy's wife doesn't want her to go. And then eventually lets her go. But like all these people don't want her to go. So she's surrounded by people that love her, but she feels alone. And she feels more isolated as the game goes on. Right? Is what I'm saying. I should that's the better way to word it. She feels more isolated as the game goes on. Whereas um Abby, she's again, she is surrounded by people, but the game starts where she feels largely on her own. Um Owen and her are not together anymore. Uh her father her father's dead. She has Manny. That's about it. And Manny's, if anything, kind of just like a partner slash decent buddy slash roommate. And as the game goes on, she starts to feel more connected with people. 
she lets her guard down with Owen having sex with him again. Granted, that causes some issues with Mel. Um, but then she goes after Yara and Lev because she starts to care about these. Well, she feels guilty and then she eventually starts to care. And then she has to come to terms with the fact that when Owen and Mel are killed, that those were part of her family and she feels very bad. And those were people that she cared about and cared about her. And Yara's death is felt by her as well. And so Lev becomes the person she cares about. And there's a lot of parallelism, I think, and intentionally between Joel and Abby in that regard, that Abby feels indebted to Lev to protect her and take care of her, or excuse me, him and take care of him now. I apologize um, to take care of him now. And uh, there's that parallelism there. But I feel like where Ellie ends up and where Abby ends up is the polar opposite, where Abby ends up feeling like, you know, she has someone or at least people, whatever, that she cares about and are a part of her life. Her her narrow view broadens and she doesn't feel alone anymore. And Ellie has the opposite story. And we're about to get into exactly how that culminates here shortly. But that, I think that was kind of the point that you were dancing around, Morgan. That And I agree with you if that was your point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really I'm just not a big fan of like picking one or the other because I feel like they kind of complement each other by from a design perspective and it just seems it just for me I just don't see the point because like they both benefit from each other's existence. Right, there's no story story without the other in this game. Yeah, that's uh-huh. fair. Okay. Well, we are on the home stretch guys. Good news for you. <laughs> this is the last bit of story. It's it's a big chunk, but it's the last bit. So buckle up. Good Here news we for the go. Temperature of this room. I know, buddy. We're almost done. I'm sorry. No, no, go. Let's do okay. this thing. <laughs> a year later, Ellie and Dina are living on a farm outside of Jackson. They are raising Dina's and Jesse's son together. They're living a simple, happy life. However, Ellie has a PTSD episode in their barn, and Dina helps her as she moves through the episode. Tommy arrives a bit later, hobbled, but with information on Abby's whereabouts. He also reveals that him and his wife has separated. Ellie plans to go find Abby. Dina pleads for Ellie to not go threatening to not be there if she goes. Ellie leaves anyways. Meanwhile, Abby and Lev arrive in Santa Barbara in search of the fireflies. They find a now-abandoned house with walkie frequencies. They contact the firefly and are told of where to go next. As they leave the building, they are ambushed by the slave-keeping rattlers. Ellie tracks them down and single-handedly dispatches of tens of rattlers, probably more than that, but I was trying to be uh, conservative. She sets the slaves free who lead a revolt. She tracks Abby and Lev down to the beach, where the two have been tortured and left to die. Ellie threatens to kill Lev unless Abby fights her. During the course of the fight, Abby bites off two of Ellie's fingers. Ellie overpowers the weakened Abby. As she is drowning Abby, 
she recalls one of the last memories of her and Joel talking, where she promised to try to forgive Joel for what he did. She lets Abby and let that's difficult. She lets Abby and Lev live, and the two sail off to the fireflies. Ellie finds her way back to the farm, but it is empty, save her belongings tucked away on the second floor. She finds Joel's guitar, and she pulls it out to play. She finds that she can no longer play the guitar, as she is missing the fingers needed to play. She leaves the guitar and her belongings, and she leaves the farm. All right, we have hit the end of the story, guys. Woo! Um, there's, there's so much to address here. There's so much to address. Um, so we argued about this point on the Chompcast as we're all at different points in the game and we were not able to discuss spoilers. I'm going to reopen the question and discussion now. If we were to boil it down to its essence, is this game primarily about revenge and the consequences of revenge, Rich? Yes. Um, In my head, I still say it's a game that is about revenge. It's about looking at revenge from two different perspectives. And it's about uh, two people on their own terms finally letting go of a desire for revenge. Uh, I feel like it certainly takes a long time to get there. Uh, I was there maybe 14 hours before the game was. Uh, But yeah, I, I, I would say yes. Okay. Man, a few words. I like it. Josh? I do. The only thing that would undercut that at all is actually that last flashback, which does undercut it because instead of about it being revenge for Joel, turns out that Ellie was in it for herself this whole time, and it becomes far stupider than that if that's, you know the reading because it turns out the reason she didn't hadn't forgiven Joel at that point like the last thing she'd kind of told Joel was that she hated him and that's why they were on the outs and she said she was going to try to get over it but she hated him why for making her live with the knowledge that she could have saved the world and didn't uh point being Ellie hates herself And this whole thing has just been her way of attempting to commit suicide. And it's just... (sighs) Somehow an even more bleak reading of everything we'd seen up until that point. Like, she doesn't really care about getting revenge for Joel. Like, yes, she does. That's her excuse for it. But the point is she's trying to kill herself. Like, everything she's doing is just obviously self-destructive, and she continues to do it. She continues to lie to the people around her about what she's doing in order to make it worse, in order to get herself in deeper so she has more excuses to let it continue. Um, and, like, that's that's the only way that I can see it not just being about, oh, it's just a revenge story. Um and it's that last little revelation, which I think makes Ellie even less likable than she already was at the end. Um, 
Like it's, it's it's that last absolute last thing she does there. I mean, other than you know going home and you know the little dinner at the end, but like the 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 having her finally realize that she wants to hurt herself and not Abby is why she lets Abby go. Like I don't think she even like she hates herself, but she's 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 unwilling to let. To, to grapple with that she's mad at yeah. joel like that's that was the thing she she's you know she's mad at her own state of of things so she takes it out on joel and then because joel's not not there to take it out on anymore she needs yeah you know another kind of substitute for that for that hate yeah that's a really interesting perspective. Uh, Morgan, I know you're going to have a very different perspective, so I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you, and then I will uh, give my thoughts after. I mean, to a degree. Like, I, I think that's what's is supposed to be interesting. That's why I was so surprised that, uh, you know, Rich felt the way he did, was just because I think there's a lot of interesting things that, you know, you can take from this sort of narrative, like like what Josh was saying, how he felt. I think there's definitely some of that there. I feel like vengeance is definitely the important cog at the beginning for both characters, but I think for me it became about a couple of things. Um, I put a video up on our Patreon, um, patreon.com slash swordchomp. You should go there, check it out. Where basically, if you uh, get our sign up for our, our Instagram uh, tier, our $5 tier, I have some videos I've been creating for that as well. But basically... I go into it more in depth, but the idea for me is that it was more about sort of like how difficult it is to let go with, as far as Ellie's story, like letting go with trauma. And I think because it starts with Ellie ends with Ellie, it really is mostly Ellie's story. Um, but like the first shot in the game is Joel polishing that guitar. And the last shot in the game is that guitar in the window. She's walking away. That gift that Joel gave her. And to me, it was just very symbolic of like if someone like how hard it is to let go of trauma sometimes. Like if you know someone in your life that's either lost someone or gone through a divorce or whatever it is, like sometimes there's certain it's just so hard to let go, and you fall, you see yourself kind of tumbling deeper and deeper down this hole, and then like at the end of the game, she's finally able to start letting go, to start rebuilding or doing whatever. Maybe she's lost Dina and the kid. Maybe she's you know, but she's still alive and she's able to, she let, she in a way actually rescues, um, Lev and Abby in a weird way and allows them to go, which is, I think really kind of beautiful that the last shot of the game is actually the title screen with the boat showing that they got away, which is, is interesting to think about, you know, potentially there could be some hope there for these characters. And, um, I think Abby's entire storyline is not like the beginning. Yes. She smashes the shit out of Joel's face, but like the entirety of playing Abby is not about vengeance. It's about her, as she says, you know, unshouldering some of that guilt that she feels and um, dealing with her life after the vengeance, kind of the, what she dealt with with Lev and the relationship she formed there, kind of stepping away from the WLF because she's realizing that she's like. And that's important for Ellie's story, but that's a huge chunk of the game that actually, in my opinion, doesn't really have anything to do with vengeance at all. So for me, I do think vengeance is a huge cog to kind of get things going. But for me, it was about, um, as a player, 
showing the the interesting ways from gameplay we can empathize with the enemy and but the larger thing for me was like letting go of like dealing with trauma and letting go of grief and how difficult that process is so that's that's what affected me the most i think that's fair um you know for a large part of playing the game after the first you know the first week that i had played and admittedly took something away i took away a revenge story now having reflected on it a week after beating it i think this story is like granted revenge is one of the things this game is largely about but i think even slightly bigger than that i think the takeaway of this game is perspective more so than revenge uh there's the obvious that you get two sides of one story uh i think that's a big part of it but i think perspective is such a big thing as well because of what kind of josh was saying what all of you guys have said is that ellie had all the signs to know why she was truly doing what she was doing revenge was the motivation to keep her going at the end of the day but when you watch her flashbacks with joel you know that they care about each other even when she finds out about the the secret she knew all along but didn't want to believe she was in my mind she was sick not because joel lied to her not because all these people were killed because she has no problem killing people she's established that the issue was that she was allowed to live she could have saved millions of people there could be no zombie or sorry infected apocalypse anymore but instead she gets to live and she has to live with that as long as she chooses to which is what Josh is saying and she she's not really mad at Joel she's mad that he lied but she really just is mad at herself for being alive and that's what Josh has been saying and as you go through her side of the story you get inklings of that with the flashbacks and the current time is that she really just hates herself. And we, as the players notice that, but she doesn't notice that. And that's what I think is to Morgan's credit. And I can see that logic there makes Ellie as interesting, if not better of a character in some regards than Abby, not that we need to compare. Um, but just for the sake of discussion. Yeah. Because no, I, I do we I see th- that perspective. I think that that shift, that final flashback gives, I don't like that. That was a twist at the end. Like, I feel like Ellie's arc up until that point of, Oh, it's just revenge. Like from start to finish is boring as far as a motivation goes and having the knowledge of, her just really, really hating herself for kind of just for her own existence because of what you said there, just survivor's guilt almost, but like on a, you know, global scale. scale, um, That's more interesting of a motivation. And and it's just the last thing. Would it be fair to say, though? Would it be fair to say, though, that that's kind of not really... It's not a big twist, I don't think, because 
I didn't feel it as a big twist because we as the as the player slash viewer, however you want to parse that, we get inklings of that throughout the entire game that really she just hates herself. She's not mad at Joel. And so when that scene happens, that's more just shifting our perspective and confirming what we knew all along, which is kind of what Ellie went through when she found out by going to the hospital, Firefly Hospital, what she knew all along. I mean, it, would it be fair mm. to say, at least to some degree, that that's true, that it wasn't necessarily I, meant to be a big twist, but it was meant no. to confirm what we knew all along? I, I never well, read I, it as a big I, twist or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I didn't either, basically but everything see- before with her being self-destructive read way more easily that she just had anger issues up mm. until that point. Uh, okay, I will say this. I see what you're saying, Josh. I didn't. Like there's nothing to suggest my otherwise. Of, my reading of that was hmm, I, we felt very different about the vengeance a portion of the story either. So maybe that was part of it. But um, I uh, that scene to me was more the way I connected that was different. It was more on the lines of like, have you ever like been imagine like being in a fight with like your wife and then they go and get in a car accident and you lose them. That that scene reminded me because they were still trying to heal when she lost Joel. Like they had this amazing friendship. He sacrificed the world for her. Then she turned on him because she was pissed. And she's having trouble dealing with that because when she lost Joel, they were not tight again. Well, it they was were... literally the night before they had just kind of like laid the cards yes. out on the table about what that is. Yeah. And it's and... that whole thing where like literally the last thing she says to him is like she's just kind of venting her frustrations mm-hmm. and her anger at herself. And she says, I my life could have meant something and you took that from me. Yeah. Right. But and I would be, I'd be frustrated that... with yeah. that. I would. Sorry, more really quickly. I'm going to let you go. You're fine. You're fine. Uh, um. I would uh, uh, I would normally feel like that was kind of ham-fisted, like, oh, it's convenient that it was the last night before um, mm. he died, last thing. But that's realistic. How many people have reported that the last thing that they said to someone that they love was not optimal? That it was something that they regret saying, something terrible that they said. I think that's very realistic. Um, you know, my initial take was like, oh, that's really convenient that that's the last conversation they had. But... I think it's real. I think it's grounded and rooted in some level of realism. Sorry, Morgan, go ahead. We well, yeah, end the dance that they, they, I think they do a good job of showing that flashback later, which is funny. Cause that was the E3 thing. I will say it frames playing the game again has been interesting for, even though I enjoyed it a lot more than Josh did like a lot more. Uh, it's been interesting playing the game again the second time because you have all that framing as well. So, like, you, you start the game immediately having all those images and of the last dance and that last evening and all that stuff. But, yeah, it's just, it's, it's frust- it's you can understand where how frustrating that would be to lose someone at that point. And they were just trying to heal themselves right, and she probably just pissed at herself for being so mad at him because now he's gone, and that's a very human thing as well. So, yes, I, I don't, I think, I think it's all of these things, you know, there's a bleakness to that. Um and yeah and it's it's all of that stuff so there's like a yeah, million yeah. there's a lot going on i i agree and i think that's the difficult part like i i asked a loaded question um because i want it the reason why i asked the loaded question is because i wanted the listeners to understand that it's okay to have a very very different perspective on this game you don't have to like this game you can love this game you can sit somewhere in between you could have take we all took you know there's some level of connectivity there but we all took something very different away from the game and we all focused on something very different and i think that's 
for me, I think that's the mark of something that is, um, dare I say it, great writing. Because you don't have to necessarily like the writing for it to be great. We all took something away. There's been We've been talking here for three plus hours about this game. And we all took something vastly different away. And it's led to some really, really interesting conversation. If we really wanted to, we could probably have turned this into a series <laughs> where, like, of three or four episodes where we really sat down and broke down this game into its fullest, much like a book club or like a literature course in college. We realistically, I think could have done that. Not that any of us want to, but we could have, I do. I will. Yeah. I, I would totally be cool. And, with it. More and than we didn't cool even touch it, but... on like what is trying to like some of the cool things it does showing the empathy from just gameplay. You know, that's like how they're <laughs> the, the, you know, oh, empathizing with the enemy that from was... a gameplay perspective. Uh, the worst though as far as the gameplay goes, because, yeah, I, they all have names, and for whatever reason, on both characters' playthroughs, every time you choke someone out, you have to talk to them right before you kill them. Like, why? Every time. Why are you telling them to be quiet? Every time. It's polite. It's polite. It's polite. Be quiet. <laughs> Just slash his vocal cords. Sir, please like, be quiet you, while I'm killing you. Like... <sighs> Exactly. What? There's not even Shut an up. option. There's no gameplay mechanic to, to like sneak off with them, knock them out or something. There's no reason to tell them to be quiet. You're going no, that, to kill them. That it's, wasn't what I was referring to, though, Josh. Okay. I was talking about um, how oh, we disagree on that. But, yeah, how you... It's taking the idea of, like, you Sephiroth kills Aerith, and then you play Sephiroth for the rest of the game to show you that maybe, you know it's not all you thought it was. So, and that's, the, I know that's a weird example, but I'm just trying to say that what they're trying to do from a gameplay from that perspective, it's a weird I example, think is interesting. That literally wouldn't be possible, but we'll <laughs> save that for the FF7. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It probably wouldn't be possible, but that's what I, No, no, like in that I game, that's, it's literally not possible. No, it's just a black and screen. You, see, you sit there and think about worms eating you. Every, there's, <laughs> it's definitely the most sparked uh, debate I have seen on of any game yeah. that I've put up on the Instagram probably ever. It which is right. It's it's it makes for really interesting conversation playing as both characters. And one thing I actually wanted to speak to that we mentioned way earlier and I wanted to make sure we touched upon this is uh while you're gone Morgan uh Josh Rich and I had this discussion about uh that quick time event where basically you are forced as Ellie to torture um Oh, what's, what's her name? Nora, thank Nora. you. And you, like I I had I had um said that basically I felt like it was pertinent and necessary and it was for one of the final scenes in the game where Ellie has PTSD um as a result of everything she's done. Mm -hmm. And because of the fact that you were forced by the game to torture someone and actually press the buttons that particular moment in the barn is felt for me so much more intensely like i for me i directly correlated those things like out of everything that ellie has done granted she's done some pretty heinous shit up to this point killing people killing a pregnant woman killing a poor dog um two poor dogs and torturing people that 45 like 45 poor dogs yeah, probably far too uh, many two dogs with names yes 
and they're all named Caesar I and Fire the Molotov. Well, that's actually holy fuck. Didn't feel, I didn't feel good about it. Let me tell yeah. you. Yeah, but like when that episode was happening, I I thought back to all the things I was forced as to do as Ellie. Like I directly thought of those things, and it made that scene so much more impactful. So yeah, I I, I, want, I wanted was to a know- nice touch. Go ahead, go ahead. That sounds like a weird sentence. Oh my god, the, P- the PTS, the PTSD was a nice touch. I know that sounds absurd. A veteran no, making I, peace with God. I'm agreeing with Shay. I do. I I do think that it's. I just I, yeah. I I just really love everything that they did there. I in the farm sequence. I know we don't. I'm not going to delve deeply into it, but just like the whole time I was there, I kept expecting something to go wrong. I thought someone was going to show up and try to kill me or something. I, I don't know if you. I told you this, Morgan. The first time I, when I was doing the farm sequence, the way they fade in right after sort of leaving Ellie and Dina sprawled out after the fight with Abby, I'm like yeah. 20 minutes into it, and like my mantra in the back of my head is like, "Please don't be a dream. Please don't be a dream." Please don't yeah. be t- <laughs> be real. And just like and just what Abby says, like I love like as far as like some of the writing goes where she's like she's so mad, she's like, We let you live and whenever you replay the game again, you see her click having this really realistic conversation about like whether they should kill them too, and they're like, Look, no, we're not murderers. We came here oh, to kill one yeah, person. I, like she has that she's like, Yeah, we let you live and you wasted it. Yeah, yeah, and then like, and they they go through that in I think a really interesting way. And even whenever you're traveling with Dina, she's like, "Why didn't they kill you? Why didn't they just well, finish I the think job?" Even, and, is is it Owens the one who says when they're in the room, like, if we kill them, then we're no better than him? It's yes. they, yeah, they have like a yeah, they have a realistic kind of back and forth that's mm-hmm. just like they're not honestly. I know that Joel let his guard down a little, but if they weren't looking for Joel, they they would have been a fine group to run into. They that they were not a group of bad people necessarily. It un, unfortunately for Joel, they were looking for him, you know. But they didn't kill Tommy and Ellie for a reason. And I remember initially being like, "Oh, this seems like a contrived thing." Of course, they wouldn't kill the main character. But once you get to know, it's like, yeah, they. There's a reason just, for Owen, every action they took. Yeah, yeah. You like, just Owen need the perspective. No, really, like the the opening shot is of them. Was of Owen telling Abby that no one will be on board with this once they find out he's in yes. a town because it's going to mean killing yeah. other people. That context is and, not and there at the yes. beginning, but like yeah, when yeah when Owen's on that mountain, you're right. When Owen's on that mountain, he yeah. actually leaves Abby. He's like, no, he's like, no man, one's going to fucking do this. Like that, yeah. that's killing way more people than we were on board for. Um, yeah, and Owen ended up being a really likable, nice character mm-hmm. too. But like, they're all roped into the same. I think Owen of that of, group, you know, Owen is one of the strongest characters. Especially as he kind of fleshes out a little bit more later on as he's kind of going through his own breakdown and, you know, deciding he needs to leave the wolves. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of complex. There is a lot going on that I've noticed the second time through just because I'm able to take my time with it. But, yeah, I like all those little touches. Like even Dina, like I was saying, being like, why didn't they kill you? And you have a conversation while you're just exploring the world. And I was thinking as the player, I'm like, yeah, that's a good question to ask. Why the fuck didn't they kill you? And that all sort of, you know, makes sense later on. You know, they're not. And I, what I like about when you first meet that group the first time is you actually, because we've all played these weird, like, zombie apocalypse games, you're just like, oh, no, another group. You kind of have this tension feeling of, like, oh, but it's – and this is one last thing I want to say, too, and then I'll shut up. I'm so glad that there's no, like, bite drama. Like, every single zombie game or fiction or TV show, there's always bite drama, which is basically did so-and-so get bit or blah, blah, blah. I was very refreshing for me to not have that for once um 
bite wait bite drama bite like as in getting bitten yeah i mean there's it's not really drama but there's that little sequence where ellie does get bitten and that prompts the discussion between her and dina and you actually have a flashback to joel being like you are not supposed to tell anybody that you uh, you have she was bitten no her mask yeah yeah, i just played it her mask gets popped and then Dina wants to put the. I just wish she got bitten on. too at some she's point bitten, in the game. She's, she's bitten, bitten way at later the end, on. and the prisoners want to kill her. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, you're right. You're right. It's like, I'm, I'm, my like in the first Last of Us, there was the whole, like you know, there's always like the one character that gets bit and has to hide it or gets bit and everyone's worried about him turning, and it was just refreshing not to. For yeah, me, that's refreshing. True. That is a good point. I, yeah. Like well the the biting was mostly established. The only biting in this game is Ellie losing her fingers, and sadly she cannot play a C sharp anymore. The only people who are biting in this game need a safe word, <laughs> and the, that safe oh. word is marijuana. Oh. Yeah, no, it's a fun one. Yeah, uh, and there, yeah, that sweet scene with the spotted seal too. Aquarium, a lot of the good stuff. Gotta love a good. Told you they were brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we have two final quick questions, and then we are done. Geepers. Yes, I love you. I know you guys are tired. So question number one of two for the final two. I've heard and read so many drastically different opinions ranging from masterpiece to steaming pile of garbage and everything in between. Some people absolutely believe that a sequel was justifiable. Others don't. Where do you all sit on this discussion? Morgan. Ooh. I have been thinking a lot about this, and for me, I mean, I was kind of counting down for nostalgia's sake on our Instagram page, um, you know, what, what just kind of looking back on the PS4, and I was able to find, like, the seven highest, like, PS4 exclusives, and uh, it was kind of a nice me- trip down memory lane, and uh, I was happy to see, how, you know, how well received this game is. Um, I think currently it's number one tied with, I believe, uh, God of War. And uh, and then I think there's, like, Persona 5 and Bloodborne and a bunch of games fall after that. And, like, for me, I think on paper I could say, oh, yeah, well, highest rated game ever, best-selling game, blah, blah, blah. But I think on top of it, the fact that it's doing some really important things for, you know, um, inclusion of, like, lead gay characters for the first time, and trans characters that we're talking about. And, um, like, a lot of those games I was looking at are great games, but, like, we don't often get great games that are actually, like, they feel like they're important. And you can play this game, I could play this game probably two or three times and get different stuff out of the story and all these different themes. And, um, yeah, I, I really don't, I mean, and even as far as, like, the biggest critique of characters, which would be, like, um, Jesse, but, like, Jesse, Manny, and... That other lady, all I forgot her name. I'm sorry. Um, they all kind of die instantly, just boom, boom, boom. So they're equal Nora? opportunity there. Yeah, yeah, they're equal opportunity with their people Even can die Isaac. at any moment. Thank you, George Arthur Martin. Um, and uh, so, anyways, yeah, <laughs> Isaac, yes. Um, I yeah, I just for me like the, the fact that the game play for me is so amazing. Like I I expected that we were gonna have all this this amazing talk about the story 
but I think for me, like the fact that I just really love the giant sprawling environments in the gameplay. And, and I honestly, I rich, rich has a review up on swordchomp.com. You should go check it out. Um, I, I love rich's work and I'm excited that we're going to have reviews up there. And, uh, I read his review, every word of it. And I think it's a great review. I think that the thing I disagree with him the most on is just the pacing. I feel like they tried something really unique and I, I think it works. And I want to, I want to like, I don't like the idea of, you know, I know there's a tendency to be like, well, what if it was the more traditional kind of back and forth thing that he was talking about? And I feel like if you can make it work and it's different, I, I think there's more value in that for me. So, yeah, I mean, I think we'll look back on this game as being one of those like seminal achievements. And uh, I'm sure Cyberpunk will come in at the end of the year and everyone will fall in love with it and it'll sweep the Game Awards and I'll be left sad. But I uh, I can't say enough good. Th- and, you know, Cyberpunk will be amazing. I'll have a 13-inch dong. What am I talking about? It's going to be the best game ever. Um, but, yeah, I'm uh, – I got nothing but good things to say about it. So, I mean, I don't think five stars is enough. I think you need six stars, seven stars, 12 stars. It's because it's important. It's going to do important things for inclusion uh, along with being a great game. Oh, and accessibility. Blind people can play this game, Shay. Blind people can fucking play this game. It's possible. Blind people. They, they can fuck and play this game at the same time. It's, it's insane. It's insane. One so of I'm those just, things isn't true, though. You know, you get you get you these you know these companies like Naughty Dog that have like you kind of get their pin like companies work for a while. So I feel like this is sort of like their their crowning achievement for me because with Uncharted, I just didn't enjoy playing. I didn't enjoy the shooting. I didn't enjoy yeah. the actual gameplay. I can't but, believe um, you would call this the fair. crowning so, achievement yes, of the company that made Jack Two. <laughs> hey, Jack Two is an amazing. I game, love right? Jack Two. Why are you assuming that I was being sarcastic? It's and and that's the thing like uncharted triple A martyr strikes again. That's very baby. And this is the last thing I'll say. I'll shut up. Tri- uncharted four I think is an amazing game, but the reality I think is that we couldn't have really had these sort of interesting discussions about the characters. It wasn't particularly brave. The shooting was not super. You don't think their portrayal of pirates was brave? Uh, <laughs> and and so I'm glad I I like what this game is doing. It's way up my, my alley and. uh as far as, like, having the conversations with people and, and, you know, the reality is if it wasn't getting people upset, then you're probably not going to be groundbreaking. So I love the, how um, that's always the defense of a bad movie. It's like, look how many people are upset. It must be, a, it must be out there and leading the way and people aren't well, ready for I it. Don't, My defense I is don't usually, f- like, Polygon hates it. It must be good. <laughs> it's yeah. It's I think it's generally Josh why people if you look at a why a lot of people are upset, you start to kind of go, mm, and this isn't directed toward you. Um I know you directly and we've had a lot of personal conversations. I personally have not been super um and, and in general, I guess all the critics, like you said, are crazy and it's just hype because this game can't be the highest rated game ever. It's just question question. Um, question. A lot of no. people hate Nickelback. Does that make them great? No. Just makes us They're all right. They're so brave. God, no. Can you believe they would write um, what they did with when everyone's still hating? wanting to be a rock star? Yeah. When- no, I think I think it's the the context of if you look at like why a lot of people are upset. Like for example, with Abby because they're like, I don't want to play the person that killed Joel. It's like, well, that's that's not what's happening. Like if you really dissect, I think they no, actually were able to weed out a lot of that audience that was just very guttural and I don't know. I'm going to make you sound like I'm an elitist and I'm just shitting on people, which I am. Um, I but mean, I just you, you kind of painted that picture for yourself when you were like, oh, the Metacritic score, which actually 
there is some evidence out there now that those scores were ad artificially bloated. Actually, there's some evidence um, that you can go look up on that. And I'm not, I'm not oh, saying that to just blow holes in your yeah, point. I'm just saying that as an aside. There, it's, it's not that the Metacritic's a perfect system. It's that all the games are using the same imperfect system. Everyone's dealing with the same imperfect system. That's, that's, yeah. And that's the only system we have. So. Um, but, I mean, if you look at all the yeah, major they're all, outlets... They're all dealing with it fairly, which is why so many indie movies end up winning awards and... It's not. It's not ever. Never mind. I'm not going to go on. Anyway. Well, I mean, the reason Josh, it's I think like it's money has just to do with because it. it's it's just because it's going to reach more people. Like, if you're a civil rights activist in your town, you can you can do great things. But if you're an NBA player and you can reach 30 million people on Instagram and do amazing things, you so have you can a make all the clansmen reach. angry at the same time. You, yes, I think it's not to to say that AAA games I'm saying are more important. I know we'll have that fight every day. It's just they're going to reach more people, and I think that's why it's important. More people are going to come in contact with these yeah, things, like and Nickelback. There's just value. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, we didn't even not once have we even discussed, but Gustavo, who did this brilliant soundtrack, his gorgeous soundtrack for this game, also He's did the soundtrack Nickelback. for. He actually did the soundtrack for uh, Brokeback Mountain, ironically, which was an interesting parallel because that movie was a huge groundbreaking movie for normalizing, um, like, um, Hollywood as far as... Normalizing Hollywood? Um, I'm sorry, uh, normalizing... Because that movie, you, you have, we've all seen They're Brokeback Mountain, They're right? just like yeah. us. Um, I guess they're just lying to me, probably. See what I've seen Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> what? Say what you're uh, trying it's a to great say. Movie. Um, that, that I was reading this interesting article yesterday about how, like, before that movie became popular and won awards and stuff like that, you could not get anyone to take on a role like that in Hollywood. It was a huge shift. Um, so it was great. Yeah. Okay. And, so and bound to says, "Oh my God!" Because it was just an interesting parallel because he weirdly enough did the soundtrack for both of those. But hmm. um, yeah. Okay. That's fair. Both That's fair. starring so two gay lead protagonists. Masterpiece from Morgan. Okay. Rich, where do you sit? I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, good point. Um, I basically said, uh, let it? me reread it to you, since uh, you definitely got sidetracked there. I've heard and read so many drastically different opinions ranging from masterpiece to steaming pile of garbage and everything in between. Some people absolutely believe that the sequel was justifiable. Others don't. Where do you sit on the discussion? Uh, justifiable is such a weird way to put it, because I don't think it needs to be justified. They had a story they wanted to tell, and they opted to tell it. Um, I don't think it was a story that necessarily needed to be tell told, because I think the ambiguous ending of the first one stands really well on its own. Um, I think I ended up liking the story they decided to tell more than I might have even expected I would, because I just, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think there was much of a story to tell next without sort of losing some of the ambiguity of the original, which is what makes the ending of the original work so well. Yeah. So, higher on it, but not Masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's not a masterpiece. I think it's a great game. It's not a masterpiece. Okay. Short and sweet, Rich. I like it very much. Josh? I'm so tired. <laughs> no, 
No, it's it's not. It's it's doing an awful lot of what they do, which is reproducing scenes from movies, but in gaming. And I'm fine with that with a big dumb action movie. That's why Uncharted is fun. It's a big dumb action movie. I, like I feel like whenever they try to go in on more difficult topics than that, it just doesn't work. Um, yeah, no, there's, they they end up. Again, I feel like we we mentioned this before with like them trying to kind of guilt you over and over again about everything you're doing that it ends up just feeling like they're judging you and not the character because it again like there's there's different meanings to something happening in a cutscene and and you doing it and we're we're used to that in games there's there's that exists but intentionally drawing attention to it the way they do in this is more of a like they're personally judging you type of a action that they're taking a lot of the time when that's not really the story they're trying to tell around it and it just seems like a lot of decisions aren't taking into account how the medium works sometimes like and it and they do in other situations like um the guitar bit like them bookending the game with you know Um, this gift from Joel that is useless to you because you have hurt yourself through this whole thing. It's really good. They get that across through gameplay and through, you know, the cinematic framing they're they're using with it. Like it's it's done really well. But then it's I don't feel like they completely understand the tool set yet. Like I still feel like they're trying to make a movie in a lot of situations. Like they've got a game and they've got a movie, and I don't feel like it comes together as well as they or not really as well, but like it ends up meaning something other than what they're trying to get across. And I don't, I right. don't like that. I feel like other games that just know this is a game. We're not going to try to do anything. Sin, you know, not trying to make a movie out of it as well have succeeded better at, at, you know, telling a more cohesive narrative that is just thematically consistent yeah it's you know you bring up an interesting point it's going to be cool to see the tv show if it ends up coming to fruition and how interesting that is on a big screen like that instead of being playable we just witness what happens i think that's going to be really compelling um yeah i'm i'm definitely i'm curious to see how it how it's handled yeah because it it feels like that's kind of the disconnect that isn't working for me in a lot of ways so yeah hopefully with a single this is how it's told we're not trying to mix you know media here it will it'll work better for for them because i feel like it's it's kind of in that in between where it doesn't accomplish what it's aiming at yeah okay that's fair that's fair um so you're you're about in the middle right i would say Yeah, I mean, other than just not really enjoying the gameplay all that much to to pull me through the bits that I'm already, I feel like it's not doing as good of a job otherwise. But um, 
story yeah, makes I'm, up for it. I'm yeah, I'm in the middle. I'm I guess I'd say I'm in the middle as far as that goes. Um, okay. Yeah, and I, I guess kind of along with what Rich said a little bit there, it's also a little bloated. As you know, kind of could use can use some editing just in general. And part part of that's making sure the pieces come together, and part of it's making sure some of the pieces are just not there anymore. Um, and I think there's a I think there's a great game in there. I think it's there. <laughs> to be honest with you, um, I think I'm definitely higher than Rich and Josh, but I'm a little bit lower than Morgan. I think it's a phenomenal game. I don't think it's at, as of right now. I don't want to call it a masterpiece because that would be recency bias. Um, I absolutely loved the game. There are small things that didn't work for me, but they never overly dampened the experience. Uh, all the highs were vastly overshadowing all the lows for me. There's been so much interesting conversation to come out of this. Like Morgan says, I think it's doing a lot for um, uh, what they're trying to say and what they're trying to do. And I I enjoyed my time a lot with the game, so much so that I really want to play it again. I... Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a masterpiece, but it is one of the, as of right now, one of the best games I've played this year. Not the best, but one of the best, for sure. And uh, I definitely think that making a sequel, I was not expecting it. I um After playing the first one, I felt like the first one ended perfectly, but I think the second one carved out a place for itself. And I I think it was in my opinion, uh, warranted. So I really enjoyed the game. Uh, very w- quick one or two sentences to bookend the show. Would you recommend this game to someone to play, Josh? No. No, it's not worth the time. <gasps> it's not remotely worth the time because it is, again, too long and not good enough at the story it's trying to tell. I feel like if you want to get this story, there are better ways... People have told this story better in in other other mediums. Um, okay, so I, that's I fair. Suggest I, some I, of those. I think that I think there's some validity to that. If you want the best of the best, this isn't, in your opinion, representative of that. And that's okay. Rich, where are you at? Uh, Would you recommend this game? I think it. It. Uh, I'll keep it brief too, but I think it depends. Um, this is a game that'd be hard for me to recommend to someone who's not already invested in the world of The Last of Us. Uh, mostly because of what Josh said. I feel like a lot of the people who come to me for game recommendations are my friends that don't play that many games and are looking for shorter experiences. Like, this is a huge investment, and I feel like if you're on the fence about it, you're probably not going to see it through to the end. That's interesting. Coming from the guy who uh, plays the longest games ever in the Persona series. It's interesting. What do you mean? They're only like 100 hours if you know what you're doing. <laughs> my my point stands. My case rests. Uh, Morgan, I think I know your opinion, but would you recommend this game? Well, yeah. I mean, the accessibility is the most important thing. If, you look, if it looks interesting to you, you can mess with the difficulty um, and you can make it there's anybody could could play this game and i think just judging from the reaction i've seen from people um the sales the reviews i think this i 
it must be very strange for to Josh. He must feel like he's in a nightmare of sorts when he sees the reaction of this game and feeling the way he feels because it's just it's very odd to mm. me. Uh, but well, I mean, I feel like if I w- sorry, I'm, I, I mean, it's just don't want to interrupt you. Like I'm kind of used to it at this point because this feels like the this is the game gamers like, and it, it's not a good thing. It's just they really dig the whole let's be real art, but think that just means a movie as well. Just means having a big pocketbook. Well, I mean, Uncharted had the the super real art. Yeah, too, so again, it was fun. a dumb summer movie, and I was fine with it for that. It's it's interesting that you like Naughty Dog when they're dumb. Uh, it's fascinating, but well, um, it's I, better than when they don't realize they're not dumb. Yeah, I, I appreciate it when things don't take themselves too seriously. Yeah, and I think that's a personality quirk because I don't think that's at all like any sort of consensus, but um. Uh, yeah, I I probably I said this on the podcast. I think this is probably the most me and Josh have ever disagreed on anything because I think the gameplay is phenomenal. I like this, the gameplay the, a lot I, too. It's it, there's so much depth to it. I think you're missing out on Josh. And yeah, it who knows? I this don't know might about end up being phenomenal, but I like it. I've there's a lot more going on than I think. You're I mean, it's mean, a cover shooter how you with the environment. If he's stealth, which is kind of all these games, it's just a it's, it's a good it, one of those. There, well, we don't have time to get into that now, but I don't think that's yes. Fair please, um, please, I, I, every time I say one or two sentences, Morgan never regards that ever. Uh, yeah, but that's I okay. Would, that's okay. Yeah, it's, go for it. I, I would throw away pretty much every game on my essential list just for this game. I, that's how much I love it. We're talking about Star Fox Adventures, right? Wow. No, I won't throw that away. I'll never throw. That away. <laughs> You throw just for fun. Would you throw away Red Dead Two and Death Stranding and Near Automata? Automata, excuse me, Near Automata for Don't this pull game. Near uh, into this. Uh, the, absolutely, yeah. I love wow. all those games. That's strange, I, considering this isn't as good as Death Stranding. Uh, Is Death Stranding a video game? I would game? never want to. Th- I don't want to throw away any of those games. Let me be clear. But if you put a gun to my head. I would have to. I would take near. Um, now I gotta ask Fuck, you guys I a quick him. question before we before we close this out because I keep seeing ads in uh, on the Epic Game Store for something called Death Stranding. Is that a video game? <laughs> no, maybe. Oh fuck! That's on PC now. Damn. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, are, are, are you one of those people who's gonna be mad that the game's more accessible? <laughs> no. But anyways, to answer the question, because I have not answered it yet, very simply, yes, I would recommend this game. Um, it's better if you have context. Just... From, if you have <laughs> context from the first one, um, it's not necessary, in my opinion, to get invested in the story, though it's definitely much more helpful. I think there's a lot here for this game um, for the general masses to discuss and to... Um, invest their time into and to try and understand. Uh, I don't think that it needs to be, I personally don't feel like it needs to be a fully uh, aware game by a fully aware studio in order for it to be impactful. And that's where I sit with it. So if you are at all interested in the game, um, you are not a bigoted asshole and, um, do you want to play a fun zombie game? 
this is a game for you and it, it goes much deeper than just the typical zombies and i stress the bigoted asshole in case that's not clear god it's um, so much fun to stress them stress and stretch asshole <laughs> yeah i mean be, curious, be cool to see what the legacy of this game is down the road especially at the end of the year it's gonna be big so. it's gonna be big it's gonna be big but that's what she said uh yeah i'm guess what i'm editing that out all right so we are at the end of <laughs> we are at the end of the episode um it was a very long very um interesting episode probably one of the more interesting ones we have ever recorded in the history of us doing podcasts so i want to thank uh what what i forgot the names i gave you guys i gotta check really quick for continuity guys we've sake. been on this skype call for seven hours and we're gonna be on it for another seven hours that's a lie no uh-huh. it's not a lie we're at seven hours and four minutes we we really have been to yep. be honest with you but i want to thank mr mergrin Birnies. i want to thank ratch mustier and juicy frolic for being here and i was your host sheila lawson uh, we will be back uh, with another episode of Chomping After Dark. We have not decided the next episode, unfortunately. Um, we are probably looking at doing Maneater, though. So be ready for that. Thank you for being here. Um, to you, the listener, love you guys very much. And please be safe out there. Take care of yourselves. And, of course, be well. While this transpires, shut the fuck up, you two. <laughs> God damn it. You guys are totally right. he, I couldn't even understand what he was saying. It was so scattered. You okay. guys are killing me. Apologies. You, uh, every, nobody can hear this, but every few seconds, Rich and Josh are sending messages back and forth. And I just hear the Skype. I bloop, was just typing the lyrics bloop, to a song by the bloop, doors. Bloop. Mm. Bloop. bloop. You, you know you can silence those. Yeah, oh, now yeah. you know my pain, Shay. I'm going to sound on that. Shit all the yeah, time. no, no. If you, you just go in there and you you click do not disturb. Oh, uh, I am doing it after this episode. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Morgan, I feel your pain now. <laughs> it begins. Was... Oh. It's called common courtesy, gentlemen. Come on. That's why we weren't saying it out loud. Yeah. No, we could have given him an awful lot of crap about how he thinks that relationships get strange and not strained. And then we could have started singing Doors songs. I mean, they mean the same thing. But anyways, you can start over. It's all good. All right. Here we go.